0: We got another star benched. That is Alfari. Add him to the list of stars in the LCS getting benched. We got that on top of Zven last week. We got TSM coming out with a 3 0. Coming out the gate on fire in first place all by themselves. Immortals 3 0. We got C9TL struggling. We got a lot to talk about this week. Blue Jay and JNT 250 bringing episode 45 of the Clown Fiesta podcast. Let's get underway. So <laughs> JNT, Alfari subbed out. Jenkins in. Thoughts.
1: It's uh, again like when the whole Sven news came out, like it was unexpected, and when this news came out, it was just as unexpected. The thing that makes the team look one a little bit weirder is because I felt like Alfari was their clear-cut best player, whereas on the Cloud Nine side, you could argue that Perks was their best player, Blabber was their best player, even Fudge was their best performing best player, player at the time. And then yeah. you could also argue that Zven and Vulcan were both their most consistent players. But with Team Liquid, I think it's pretty clear cut and that Alfari was their best player by a decent margin. I would say close behind is either Jensen or Core JJ. But uh, to see Alfari subbed out after one game, I feel like makes it even weirder than if he was started than if he was subbed out at the start of the split. Because the whole video that Jat sort of released on Twitter uh, right after their Friday match, pretty much outlining how this wasn't an unexpected move to themselves makes me wonder like why was he even playing the first game in the first place like if this move was coming along like why did this happen and it also makes me wonder would he even got subbed out if he had a poor first game because he did have a very poor first game against tsm on the lease and top and it just makes me wonder if they would have won that game would we even be in this situation
0: Okay, so you got me thinking about 10 different things here. Because one, I would say that I actually don't think his game was that bad. I know a lot of people were flaming his Lee Sin as being terrible. I don't think it was that bad. He actually made some pretty nice plays on the Lee Sin. Yes, there was one that was really, really bad. Another one that didn't look so great either. He had a couple of plays that were definitely misplays. Not his greatest game, but he had some really nice setup plays. The one uh, flash kick, the, war, uh, the the insect play, rather, um, was really nice. And so, uh, yeah, again, I didn't think he was that bad. The other thing, you talked about Jet coming out and making a video saying that this is something that has been in the works for a while well I think a lot of people are starting to question that especially now that Alfari has come out and made a tweet saying pretty much showing rather that he's not too happy about it I will read the tweet the tweet being was gonna get Chick-fil-a for dinner then saw an ad for Chipotle and decided fuck it why not get some Mexican wasn't spur of the moment by the way calculated this a month in advance so
1: (laughs) he's a bit uh, mad here
0: obviously he's not happy i mean you don't expect them to be happy but i don't even did, did sven go to twitter i don't think sven went to twitter just drawing some parallels from a week ago um so anyways that is related to the jet video because jet said like this is something that they've been thinking about for some time and like you said why even play the first game then it's just a little weird isn't it yeah it's just odd and so I don't know what to say because, again, I don't think his lease in was that bad. And yet again, here we are left to speculate as to what it could be. Clearly, not all is is good in the in the TL world right now, and there clearly there's some tensions that are a little bit high. And Mr. Barney Alfari is not happy about it. That's that's all we know right now. We, chat doesn't really want to let anyone know. Of course, no big surprise there. Another thing, even, is that. Santorin was supposed to do an interview with Travis Gafford this weekend, and instead T.L. sent Jet in place because maybe they were afraid that Santorin might leak what happened. So T.L. really wants to keep this hush hush, whatever the reason is.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, there obviously isn't a lot that's been publicly said about it. And from what we've been told from Jet, even in the video he posted on Twitter and in the video that he did, uh, the interview with T D with Travis Gafford, um, they haven't really said anything because... They think it's better for them internally to just keep the whole thing quiet rather than, uh, I guess like spark a ton of extra community backlash on top of it. But one thing that I will say, which I don't even know if I'm even gonna call this a rumor, uh, because it was this was on the yeah. Double F Medios and Sneaky LCS Watch Party now, not Coast Stream anymore. It's the Watch Party. Um, Double F was basically talking about how he's heard, or maybe it was Medios actually heard some rumblings that it could be potentially videos or it was uh
0: it was double lift rather one of the, but
1: primarily those two were discussing how apparently Alfari does not play a lot of solo queue. And that uh, during the majority of spring split, he played like the minimal amount. And during the off season, he basically had been playing none. So while that's, I've only ever heard that rumor, if you want to even call it a rumor from double lift himself, it's hard to put a lot of stock into that because yeah. like i don't know here like
0: i prefer to stray away from calling it a rumor because doublelift ha- i'd pretty i don't remember his exact wording but i think he even said on the stream that it's like those are just the solo queue accounts he knows of right exactly. there's some guys that got six or seven different accounts and so maybe he was playing a bunch of solo queue but the point that doublelift was making is regardless of how much you like or dislike solo queue you need to be playing you need to be keeping up your skills even if it is 60 ping uh practice and yeah it's just it Dublift, I guess, he, he really feels strongly that he's not playing enough solo queue. And, but like you said, I, I don't think either one of us really want to call it a rumor because Doublelift has kind of admitted to saying, like, guys, I don't know if this is for sure, but the accounts I have been following don't have a lot of games, which is a little bit worrisome.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then I guess on the flip side, uh, we saw Jenkins for the first time in the LCS. I know you were getting a little bit hyped about him uh, even before this announcement kind of happened uh, because... He had a yep. really good GP game in Academy. Yeah, and just also, one
0: game. Yeah, I just want to be clear. It was just one game, but I was really impressed. It was in Academy, yeah.
1: He did play GP uh, on Saturday against CLG. He had a pretty good GP game there as well. So it does, again, it does feel pretty similar uh, to the Cloud9 situation with them benching a star player. And it seems to be that it's for a very serviceable Academy backup at the minimum. I think, you know, in terms of the ceiling, I don't think... Um, I guess from the outside perspective, I don't think Jenkins's ceiling is going to be as high as King's just because. <laughs> no one's going to argue that, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, just because oh, I think Kings, you said. You yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, okay. I, I thought you were going to say Alfari. No, uh, well. <laughs> okay.
1: It, yeah, because from you know Jenkins has been a perennial academy right. player for the most part in King. While he mm-hmm. was an OCE, did go to Worlds in 2018, played on the M- mammoth roster with Fudge um so i think we've seen him at that top level but we've never seen jenkins at that top level but i don't think after this weekend people can say that he's terrible by any means because i think he did a decent job but again let's look at it alfari was probably your second choice for mvp of the split and it is super surprising to see to hear that he's getting benched
0: well and a lot of people had him as their their first choice right like Mm blabber i think just came ahead by a tiny little bit but to your point is, you knew this this was the their best player. He was smashing everyone in spring, and now he plays one game. It's a so-so game, and he's benched. So here's the thing, though, because I thought that Jad's video was actually great. I was like, okay, good. He wants to protect his players, so he doesn't want to give too much information to the fans because there's a lot of context that's needed, and he can't give all that context. So he doesn't want to throw anybody under the bus. So I'm like, okay, that's very good. The problem that I'm having now with the chat video is that, well... Alfari doesn't seem to think that he's not buying it, that this was something that they were looking into for the last month or so. He's not buying it at least. So mm-hmm. someone they're definitely on different pages. And that's why I'm a little bit less sold on the jet video now, even though I thought it was good. It's like, well, there's definitely a lack of communication somewhere because yeah. clearly they're not on the same page here. And so that's, that's a little bit of a problem. Yeah. And the it's other just, thing- it's just Go definitely ahead.
1: not a good look to see that being tweeted in the first place. Um, we we right. see a ton of this in traditional sports, you know, like just to point to some like kind of recent analogies, although a lot of people might not know this with like Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, like there's been a to- there's been a bunch of public like flaming back and forth uh, similar situation with the player named Julio Jones, who like just got traded a couple days ago. My point is, is that it's usually never a good look when your star player on your team is openly criticizing your organization or criticizing somebody within your organization. And more often than not, the results are never a good thing. So it's pretty crazy to even see Alfari go and tweet about this in the first place. And I think, like you said, definitely has to be some miscommunication between uh, the coaching staff and him, or Jat, and I don't know. There's there, as you said, there's miscommunication on some level.
0: The one thing that I will say is, look, I don't think the tweet is a good idea from Alfari. But the one good thing about it is that he's clearly mad about being benched. and that's what you don't want. You don't want a player that's like, yeah, whatever, I'm benched. Like he clearly is fired up about this and wants to be playing that's a good sign if you're a team liquid fan right i I guess that but the bad sign is that like the cost that you're paying to see that a player's fired up to play is just too much you're seeing that not all is uh yeah not all is well and well there's a little bit of conflict there um let's talk a little bit about the cloud nine one because we've had a week to digest the cloud nine one and we've had some results to see about it um well I didn't think I, I would say that the Jen, the Jenkins performance was better than the King performance, is how I would put it, um, because I didn't think King looked great. I didn't think King looked awful, but you, there was a noticeable drop off from King from Zven, right?
1: Ah, uh, I wouldn't say I would put him on the same level. To be honest,
0: really, I,
1: I don't think I was neither impressed or. Not impressed, I guess, by either performance. I think King had a poor late game in the Golden Guardians game. Um, But for the most part, I mean, that was really the only thing I could point to. I think he had a pretty solid game against Team Liquid. Did do a lot of work in the late game with the Kaisa in that game. And, you know, uh, Jenkins, we only saw two games from him. One was a really bad Lulu top game and one was a pretty good GP game. So it's kind of like those two games are like neutral for me. And basically how I see it with the Cloud9 side of things, King had a kind of poor uh, game against Golden Guardians, had a pretty decent game against Team Liquid, and that 100 Thieves game is basically null because that game was just doomed from mid-jungle.
0: Yeah, so I guess I I didn't think that the Lulu was that bad, I guess, just because, I, I don't know, I guess I just don't really expect much out of a Lulu, I suppose, which maybe that's not exactly a fair way of looking at it, but I guess that's why my expectations weren't too disappointed with the Lulu. Um, and I was very I was pretty impressed with the GP. I thought he looked really good there. And the, the King thing, the reason why I thought he looked worse than than Zven for sure, in my opinion, is because I, I guess it wasn't just on him the reason the, the way that they threw that game, but him ulting in there as someone in the live chat saying, uh, Gala syndrome. I, I don't know if I would call it Gala syndrome because is kind of beast. But I think he's referring to going way, way deep. I, I don't know exactly what he's referring to, but going way, way deep kind of cost him in that game where he died the two Nexus turrets. And that that's a mistake that I think that if he doesn't make that mistake, I think C9 still wins that game. Um, mind you, there was a lot of other mistakes in that game made by Cloud9, so I don't want to just pin it on him. But I guess my point being is that I don't think Zven would do that. Maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. that That's uh, its not easy to say, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I would not... Like, I think that's obviously like a very int play, so people will point to that. But there were a ton of other mistakes by a bunch of different players in that game. Uh, mm-hmm. So I wouldn't pin it on one specific bad play. Although, like yep. I said, I don't think he had the greatest game because he was basically eating every single Zoe skill shot uh, <laughs> past like 35 minutes or 30 minutes. But I think he had a pretty good early game. And I think his poor late game in the Golden Guardians game was somewhat balanced out by his great late game in the Team Liquid game.
0: Yeah, and, and part of those bubbles, I mean maybe we'll talk about this later, but you got to give credit to uh to Blaze yeah. Olive for his Olive so played pretty, really
1: well. He had a pretty he had a pretty agree. decent weekend, I think.
0: Yep, I agree. Um well, I guess his syndrome wasn't. Anyways, we'll we'll That's get to I that said stuff decent. later. Yeah. <laughs> um Okay, let's talk a little bit more about this Venn thing, though, because there was a little bit more things that were released. Let's talk about Max Waldo. That's what we got to get into here. On the Nines, I guess it's a podcast. I, I've watched it. I just don't know if he. it. I guess it's a podcast, yeah. On the Nines, uh, Fudge and Max Waldo were on the show with uh, your boy, uh, Monty, as per um, Max Waldo kind of said, well, not kind of. He basically asked Fudge. Like, do you think Sven's even going to play this summer? He basically said, I don't think Sven's going to play this summer. Fudge, what do you think? And that to me is like, what? Like, I don't, first of all, why are you saying that? Uh, So I think this is Max Waldo's first little slip up as a coach. um, Because I don't think you should be saying that if you don't know. I don't understand where that came from. Second of all, did he really think Fudge was going to answer? Even if Fudge does know? (laughs) That was a little bit weird to me. Any thoughts on that one, JNT?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously this is speculation, but what that tells me, is that Cloud9 is going to play King until he performs poorly. And I think it also means that Cloud9 has a lot of confidence in King to play well because you're not going to sub... You're not going to take out one of your star players, sub him in for Academy player, and expect he's going to be average to subpar. You, The reason yeah. you're doing it in the first place is because you expect he's going to be good. And if he's good, there is no reason to sub him out in the first place. And I think mm-hmm. that is probably why like that sort of line of questioning, like even happened in the first place is because obviously if the cloud nine coaching staff and org is going to make a decision like that, they should have confidence that their player is going to do well. And if that's the case, do you think Sven's going to go back in? I would say no. I think if King is, I don't know, a top four AD in the league, maybe a top three AD, the other ones being like FBI and uh tactical or something like that. If you're like third to that, like, I don't know, keep him in there. But if he's yeah. in thing games and we see more of the golden guardians game side of King, then yeah, I think we'll get subbed out.
0: And I want to give you a little bit of credit because that's pretty much what you said last week before we knew any of this stuff. Before we knew any of this new stuff that is, um, that you said like if C nine starts to drop a lot of games, then you'll see Sven come in. And that could be the case. That could. I mean, we still don't know that. But with the new information, it points to that a little bit more, I suppose. Um, that it's hard to say because we still don't know what it is that that led to this. The other thing that I'll say is that. It's very weird that Max doesn't know being part of the coaching staff. Like if he doesn't know, then who does know? Only Jack? Only Jack and Mithy? Or only Jack, Mithy, and Rainover? Like,
1: yeah, it's I weird. Think
0: the player the players deserve to know, don't they? Like, if I'm Fudge and my star 80 carries out, I wanna know. Like, I like and maybe Fudge does know and he's just like, I ain't saying anything. I'm pretending I don't know. Good on him. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But if he actually doesn't know, that is so weird to me. Like there's no way Perks doesn't know, right? Like I am your 5 million dollar buyout player. You're paying me a shit ton of money. I am your captain if you will. Like I want to know what the hell's going on with my with my AD carry. Somebody's got to know. Many, all those players deserve to know at the very least whether they do or don't. They definitely deserve to know. Would we agree with that? Yes. Someone in the live chat says, "Do you think it has to do with MSI?" I hypothesized this last week um that in one of the post-game interviews, Zven, I don't want to say flamed, I'll, I'll say like light flame, light flamed blabber. And I hypothesize that maybe the, the team has a rule, and maybe all LCS teams have a rule, that you never throw another teammate under the bus, um, even if it is light flame, because the community backlash could multiply whatever flame that they got from their player, uh, from their teammate rather. And so like that's just really tough to deal with when you have a whole community kind of bashing you. And so maybe they just have a rule like, like no flaming, or else there's punishment, and maybe they couldn't bench Zven at MSI because your only backup was Darshan, and so the play was to bench him once you came back to North America. I, I don't know. This is all speculation, but it-, it is a good question to ask because we have no idea where this came from.
1: Yeah, uh, I yeah, again, we we will really never know until it comes up pub- publicly, if it even does.
0: Yeah. Anything else on this JNT? Uh, XD no. I Okay, so I guess the last thing I'll say on it is we've learned from the past week and a half, and, and honestly from Cloud9's history, that no player is unbenchable. And I think that is a good thing. Um While I'm a happy Sven in Elfire Bench, no. But sometimes players do things where they need to be held accountable. I don't know what they did, but clearly they did something. Or maybe didn't do something that they should have done. I don't know. But I think that every player should be benchable if you're not, you know, pulling your weight, working hard enough, whatever it is, uh, I think everyone should be accountable. And I think most people would agree with that, although there's a lot of people that are still pissed that Zven isn't playing, so maybe not. Um, Before we move on to our next topic, I just want to remind everyone that we are after your subscribe uh, buttons on YouTube. If you guys come back every week and listen, it helps us out so much. Please hit the subscribe button. I can't even begin to tell you how much that means to us. Uh, and if you want to catch the live show, we are live every Monday night, right after Hotline League. Okay, next. Broadcast, JNT. Let's get into that. Uh, a lot of very good and a lot of really bad. Do you want to start us off with this one?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, in terms like, well, actually, well, let's start off with the pre-show stuff because we'll go with the good before we go with the bad. Uh, I, I am one. It. Yeah, I am one to not normally watch the lcs pre-show because the content on it where it's usually the analyst desk of some sorts is like doing like a bit of back and forth early on talk maybe they play a game or whatever they give their predictions or whatnot i'm normally not interested in doing that and although i don't i don't normally do that in the first place i do like how they basically or hopefully this is going to be a long-term thing have transitioned the whole 30 minute pre-show into some other form uh, of like good content where they had the lane by lane stuff. I wasn't too much. I wasn't a huge fan of that, but I mean, I, it's better than the other option. Basically is what I'm saying. They had the, uh, what was, what's it called the replay files. Mm -hmm. And then they had the like little round table they did with Emily Rand, Medios, uh, that whole crew, which seems it's going to be a weekly thing. And I think it's a really good change because I think all that 30 minute, uh, pre-show stuff can get pretty stale. Uh, and it's just good that there's other content and, obviously high production content.
0: Yeah. So I, first of all, I agree with you. I, I think that of the three things that we saw this weekend, I think lane by lane is the worst one, but I don't think that for me, that doesn't do it justice calling it the worst one. Cause I still enjoyed it. And I think the point is that everything they did this weekend. And I think that's what you're trying to say. Everything they did this weekend was better than what they normally do. It is normally so snoozer. And I actually, after lane by lane happened on Friday, and I heard that there was going to be the replay files, the um, uh, the uh, Misfits thing. I was like, I want to watch the LCS before the LCS starts. I am normally like, okay, LCS starts at this time, that's when I tune in. But this time, I was like, I want to get there that half an hour early because I want to see what this content is. And it was so good. the The Medios thing was great, even though, by the way, that was hosted by Medios. It didn't really feel. It felt like just a conversation of people. Um, but I think the important thing is the reason why it's hosted by Medios is that means that Medios will be back from time pretty much every week. I would or whenever they're doing it, that is. You Which take. I think Medios is the best part because well, I'm just a huge Medios fanboy. I'll admit it. I think he's freaking hilarious. Um, the one thing that I will say is that across all three of them, every single host, so Medios, Pastry Time, and Raz, I would say felt a little bit awkward. Not very, not terribly. Like the content was still great. and But I think that's such a good thing that even though you could tell they're still new to whatever it is they're doing, it was still very good content. And I think they'll that every single one of those segments will all get better.
1: Yeah, I just think it brings something unique to the broadcast. That's not just your copy-paste analyst desk segments 30 minutes before each set of games every single day. I think, as I said before, it can just get a little stale sometimes when you're doing the same things on a weekly basis. And yeah, while if they stick with this format of lane by lane, Friday replay files, Saturday and uh, roundtable Sunday, at least there's different things or different topics to be discussing within that. Like that, man, that replay files thing was epic. Like that was so cool yeah. to hear about, like all these little nuances of like how Misfits said like their scrims were going super terribly when they were playing like traditional ardent supports, and they were like. Well we feel more we feel a lot more comfortable when we throw the Ardents on like mid lane or jungle and we play like an aggressive engaged support. I thought that was really cool and it's like interesting to hear like a team dynamic like that during a world championship and how bad you can be in scrims and then how like it's crazy to feel that if you're doing terrible in scrims, you're actually more confident on stage like they were
0: well, and when I saw that, my immediate thought was. This sounds very similar to Cloud9 2018. They were like 0-18 in scrims and ended up beating a freak of freaks. How awesome would it be to go a replay files of that? To get all the stuff out of Sven who's still playing. I don't who, who's still playing that's on that team. I Guess Nisky would Jensen. be on. Or no, it was Jensen. Jensen's still Jensen, around. Jensen, Licorice. Who else? Licorice is around. Like, yeah, you still Zay's- got enough that's enough players already. That's enough players already that it would be a really good... Se- as long as you have, like, three guys, even two guys, you would be able to do two separate interviews and make the content fantastic. And th- anyways, there's just so many different series for that that you can do. Uh And yeah, I, I would have to imagine that if they would do a Misfits one, which was a European team, they would also do an NA team. Like, it just seems like a really simple... Anyways, I don't want to get people's hopes hopes up because I don't know if they're going to do one or not. But to me, it just seems like a very easy thing to do. You still got a lot of those players still playing. For sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's talk about in between games now. This is where it was a little bit not so good. Some really long broadcasts. Uh, I'll let you start with this one as well.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, like the first day Ugh. was like a six almost it was just over a six hour broadcast for five games and they weren't like even long games in particular some of them were actually pretty short games Mm -hmm. and we had a six hour plus broadcast with a bunch of pauses a bunch of tech delays i was counting the time between game end and draft start and at one point we had a 47 minute break one point we had like a 33 minute break Another one had like a 37-minute break, and the other two were like 20-plus minutes. And I voiced my opinion about these things, about the time spent in between games, even last year when the broadcast was online. And I think it was even more understandable then with all the tech delays and whatnot, right. uh, and just how like the breaks in between games can be so long and drawn out. They just don't... You just kind of—it feels like you lose interest over time. It feels like when you get to the fourth and the fifth game, it's like, oh, come on, like get, get, get over. It's a huge buzzkill. Like, it is. Like I just find yeah. myself like wanting like these last two to be last two games to be over, so I can just get the hell out of here.
0: Yeah. Now I do want to be fair, because there's a lot of people that are probably thinking right now, well, "Look, guys, like they're just back in the studio for the first time. It's been a long time." I am totally understand understanding of that. Um. So I do want to say, like, look. Maybe they just need a couple of weeks to get back in the groove of things of working back in this environment. When you're so used to doing remote broadcasts, it's totally new, right? And you got to get in the habit of things. So that is totally a possibility that maybe they hit the ground running and next week there's no problem. But I would say regardless of all the delays and stuff like that, I've said for so long that I still think even without the delays, there's still too much time in between games anyways. Like 25 minutes or whatever, I would say it's probably about 25 minutes usually is a long time to wait for one game to go to the next especially if someone mentioned in the live chat like uh what did they say the we got the tsm tl banger and then it was just 40 minutes of pauses like regardless of the 40 minutes the banger was great and then you have a 25 minute pause which is like normal quote unquote that is too long and that is also a buzzkill so even regardless of the tech issues i would still say they need to find a way to get the games going one after another the problem is. There's no easy solution to what that is, especially with they still have to deal with some COVID things right now, right? Like, you still have to have the cleaning lady or whatever the maid, whatever you want to call her, go out there with her little, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know, or Kleenex or whatever. The, I don't know. It was funny. To she see that. To, yeah, she's got to wipe. The, that's really funny that they got a little cleaning lady in there. But you get my point is they still have to desanitize all this crap. So there's mm-hmm. still some stuff that has to happen. But you got to find a way to get these games going. Uh, you and I were watching with a friend of ours. And he got to about game three. Now, this is our our friend. Like, he loves League of Legends, guys. I mean, maybe maybe loves is a little bit strong after he gets quite tilted, as everyone does. But the point is, he's been a League player for so long, and he's watched LCS with us many, many times. By game three, he's just like, all right, guys, I'm going to get going now. Like, I'm out. And I don't blame him at all, because three games is like four hours or something. Yeah, like the
1: first, in that day specifically, the first two games took like over two and a half hours. And I just thought that was crazy. Like, I, yeah,
0: yeah, The point that I'm getting at here is that you and I are like heavy consumers of the LCS and probably even like a lot of our listeners are as well, because like the people that li- watch a lot of the LCS are gonna be the ones that go look for other content afterwards. But to an average viewer that just wants to catch some of the games, you are going to lose those viewers so often. And I think the problem with that is you're going to lose, they're going to miss out on games that are like the FlyQuest and EG one that we will definitely be talking about in a little bit. Like that was one of the greatest games of the year. And because it's FlyQuest EG and you have to wait half an hour for the game to start, there's probably a lot of people that saw FlyQuest EG and were just like, eh, whatever, I'm out. I don't want to sit here and wait forever. Or like we know one of our friends who's an avid LCS watcher, he would probably just queue up a game with TFT or something instead. Yeah. Because there's too much time in between games. The only thing that I could think they could maybe do and I don't even think this is all that practical, but I'll throw the idea out there anyways, is that maybe they have two setups, like how they used to have two broadcasts. So for those that are unaware in season 6 or whatever it was when they had stream A and stream B and you had two games going on at once, maybe you have while game 1 is on setup A, maybe game 2 could be setting up on on setup B. You know what I'm saying? And so you don't have that time to plug in all your stuff and test your headphones and test mouse, test keyboard, test all that crap. And maybe you save a lot of time. The reason why I say that might not be practical is because maybe that's at a completely different location or something like that. Like, I don't know where geographically this other setup is but they need to find something to get these games going. And I think it's just hurting their viewership. They keep playing the card that like, oh, our minutes watch is going up year over year. And it's like, well, no shit. You have way more. You have five extra games. Cause every team's playing three times per weekend now. And the minutes are going way up because well, the you're taking are half long. an hour in between games. <laughs> so that is, uh, that is my rant. It takes too long in between games. Something needs to happen. I'm sure they could do something. I, I, I hate to be the guy to say, do something, and I don't have the answer for you, but I'm sure there is something they could figure out, and I'm sure these games could get going. And I think it wouldn't be unreasonable to expect a five-game broadcast to be done in four hours instead of six, or five and a half, or whatever it is.
1: Yeah, uh, TLDR, the broadcast is too long. It could be quicker. We don't know how to fix it, but we want them to fix it. And
0: much. the other part to add to the TLDR is that the pregame content is much. Oh yeah, better. banger! I, I need to highlight that yep, it was yep. so much better, and I expect more out of the out of the next few weeks. Um, yeah. So let's let's leave on that note. Mm-hmm. Anything else, J and T? Uh, no. Let's get into the meat and potatoes. Huh? What do you think about that meat and potatoes. Okay. I like me some meat and potatoes. Okay. Start us off. Where are we going?
1: Well, TSM, TSM. They had a. Pretty good weekend, I would say. Uh, I think. Yes. Not
0: amazing, it, but good. And yeah. they had a 3 0.
1: Oh, well, know. we should. I think we should preface this with what we're going to. When, when we talk about the main teams, we're basically going to group them into three different categories uh, trending up, trending down, or neutral. Because I think, you know, obviously there are a lot of assumptions that can be, or, you know, a lot of assumptions and predictions that can be made off of week one. Sometimes, you know, a little over dramatic. Uh, but I would say there are some pretty, like, I don't know. I feel like I feel like our perception of the split has changed after this week one. Not necessarily definitely. dramatically, but it's changed because I think we did see some teams who going into the split, we weren't expecting to be that great off the bat, uh who have been and some teams who were coming into the split with a little more hype have uh lost that hype a little bit.
0: Yeah, definitely. So uh, again, let's start with TSM then uh yeah, I mean, they looked good. Okay, we both have them trending up, is what I could see. So for the record, T J-T knows mine because he's our setup guy, and I don't know his, so I see his for the first time. Both of us have the green arrow pointing up. We think they're trending up. Of course we have to, right? They yeah. got the 3-0 weekend. But on top of that, I-, I was very vocal that they did not look good in playoffs for the most part. I think they had one good series, and I think they had three very lackluster series. They looked pretty good this weekend. Mind you, I think the EG game was kind of thrown to them a little bit. Regardless, they still looked a lot better to me here than they did in playoffs, and so absolutely trending up in my opinion, no doubt.
1: Yeah, I think the EG game was definitely a little weird, because I think at the time, like the whole ending was just a pretty crazy ending in general, where they got Baron uh, off of EG, and there was this sort of like half reset that went on, where EG decided to start split-pushing mid, and then Lost just went or not split pushing, but four members of EG started running down mid as Lost is kind of doing this like half split push top lane. And EG kind of makes the decision that, hey, we're going to trade inhibs here and we're going to like full run down mid, get the inhib attempt to base and hopefully we'll get back in time. And I think they kind of, similar to like the C9 RNG kind of thing, like they, they, they got in this situation and they didn't really know what to do because I honestly don't, like when we were watching the games, I didn't mind their play whatsoever. I thought it was actually going to be a pretty decent play for EG to run down yeah. there, trade inhibs, get their bases off. But, TSM did a really great job of recognizing like, oh, let's just stop these guys' backs and uh, we'll just have lost to end the game. And you kind of saw from the EG side, like they really, you know, they got lost in the mess in terms of everybody's like trying to run away in base while TSM runs at them. And, you know, obviously hindsight's 2020, but in yeah. those kinds of situations, like hopefully like they watched the on RNG game and learned like, hey, we either need to kill these guys in base or we need to have people going and stopping the guys who are chasing everybody down to stop the bases.
0: So if people that are there's some people that are listening and some people that are but there's some people that are watching and probably saw me shake my head a little bit because this is going to be like so hindsight. But for me, I did think it was a really bad play what they were doing. I thought I'm like, OK, that guy, that's a Tristana and he has Baron. I'm like, y'all need to get back now. The reason why I'm shaking my head is because, well, duh, you can so obviously say that in hindsight. But that was <laughs> honestly my opinion when I'm seeing that happen. I was really like, oh, this is a disaster. This is big time. uh Oh, Um, Yeah, so uh, to me, I thought that that was such a bad play. It's Tristana, guys. It's Tristana. She takes towers without Baron. Like, anyways, yeah, I just thought that that was a really poor play. Um, But again, TSM did the right play, and right? So if TSM's making the right play, I can't fault them for that just because EG made the wrong play. And and outside of that, I thought they looked good in pretty much every lane over the weekend. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought Power of Evil looked great. I thought Huni looked great uh Spica looked great these are really important signs I will say I I think there was a few blunders from Sword Art but overall I still thought he looked pretty good and uh yeah someone else in the chat saying Lost has improved so much I thought Lost had a really good weekend as well and it's like if you have every player looking at least good that's a very good sign for TSM and now they're in first place all by themselves I can't believe we're saying that I would not have seen this coming especially after seeing their performance in playoffs just a month or two ago
1: yeah I like I don't know. It's, I definitely didn't think that TSM would start the split up so hot, but I mean, I'm not necessarily surprised that they start that, you know, that they are in first place because like, let's not forget, like they were only one win out of first place uh, at the start of the season. And if you take down the other team that you're tied with and the team who's in first place has a, you know, uh, unexpectedly bad weekend. I mean, yeah, they're in first place. Do I think they're going to be there for long? No, but, uh, I think TSM came out of the gate strong. Uh, I was really impressed specifically with, um, I know you mentioned Lost, um, but I thought Power of Evil had a really solid weekend. Um, he whipped out the Viego um, in the first game of the split against Team Liquid with that R5 counterpick, and the whole knock on Power of Evil, um, and I think why players weren't necessarily ready to put him as the best laner NA, or even like kind of fighting for that competition with, you know, Perks and potentially Jensen was because it felt like any time he wasn't on a control mage, the game just felt bad. We like we, I think he played a couple of games of TF in spring, a couple of games of Lucian. Uh, I don't really remember what else he played, but mainly the TF and the Lucian just seemed super uncomfortable on. And I think when people saw him blocking the Viego, it was like, oh, okay, this is another one of those Power of Evil champs that could go like really horribly wrong, and he'll get the flame of the world if he ints on Viego. Or, kind of like what happened, he had a really good pop-off game, and we don't really know if that's due to the Power of Viego or... But I think think Powerful played a pretty good game for the most part. Uh, But it was good to see that he got a win on a non-control mage and looked good doing so.
0: No, that's a very good point. Because a lot of people will point to Viego just being busted. And I understand why they're doing that. Like I I don't want to get too TSM hype without acknowledging that he's on this broken-ass champion. But also, that was last picked. I, I think I tweeted about that. That was last pick in the draft. Any team could have taken, like, either team could have taken it. Each team had five opportunities to take it. It was really, literally the 10th pick in the draft. And so, yeah, I think, or my, maybe I'm confusing it with a different game. Was it the 10th pick in the draft?
1: It was last pick. It was, it was R5. Yeah,
0: okay. yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, if it was that busted, which, I mean, you could still make that argument, then TL should have taken it then. And TL can't really complain. Because, um, yeah, he, he had a great game, but, and anyone could have taken that champion. So, yeah, I don't care. Good game for Power of Evil. Very good sign, because we have seen him struggle, like you mentioned, on things that are not control mages. So, hats off to him.
1: Yeah, and, and then he just played two very solid control mage games. Uh, his victor game against EG was pretty nuts. Basically, we kind of mentioned that whole sequence of events, uh, that happened with the whole mid lane uh, push from EG, top lane push with Lost. Right when that fight started, Power View was kind of like in the middle of get. He was getting caught in mid lane basically, and like dumped his full combo onto three people, setting them to one HP. Like he did a lot of damage in that Victor game, and I thought his Orianna game against Golden Guardians was just exactly what you want. Uh, you yeah. don't lose lane and you scale late game. That's what he did. He had that kind of controversial uh, Rift Maker game. Uh, where he, oh, he yeah. had Rhythm Maker as his mythic. Um, Forgot all about that. Yeah, I think in the moment, everybody was like, oh, what the fuck is this? Like, this makes absolutely no sense. But I feel like the reasoning that he gave and kind of him discussing it,
0: it does make... I didn't so- see the reason. What was it?
1: Well, he basically went to Twitter it afterwards. Because he was against Lucian or something? Well, he basically just said, like, his job in like f- against their team comp is to make sure that he doesn't get one shot by, like, Renekton... Or, sorry, not Renekton. Uh, Nocturne, Rumble, Lucian. And then if he doesn't die... The fight's basically over anyway, so all he needs to do is survive, and he figures mm. that the tankiness from the HP and the Omni- Omni-Vamp, Omnivamp is better than yeah. the raw damage, which I would actually agree with. So I feel like in the spur of the moment, it was kind of like, a, what the fuck is this, because nobody builds this item on Oriana. but his logic makes sense. I think it makes a little bit more sense than other builds that we've seen from him in the past, like Imperial Mandate Azir and Leandre's Corky. Yeah. <laughs> I can't really think of any of other ones, but those are the main two from Spring that stand out. I don't know. Weird, but it works.
0: There's just a history of Power of Evil doing some troll ass builds. And so everyone's knee jerk reaction is, What the hell are you doing, man? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, he's kind of brought that upon himself, I suppose. But the other last thing that I thought, uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention, I think was the Viego game. Maybe it was, I, I don't know which one it was. The one where he baited out Jazuke. I mean, that's obviously not that difficult to do nowadays to bait out Jazuke, but where he baited jizuke with the tp play on the cannon minion was, was pretty nice as well i think yeah. that was like like i watched the pro view of it i went back and watched the pro view of that and you could tell he's like yo like ping right there he's like i'm gonna freaking tp on this guy and we're gonna kill him right here and that was pretty nice as well so i guess we just have a lot of good things to say about poe and uh well i think deservedly so he had a really good weekend
1: mm-hmm. uh who's next uh the other three O team that we had on the weekend is immortals um our longtime listeners were no. I'm a little bit of an Immortals fanboy. Um, I was a bit too pussy to pick them in their game against 100 Thieves. But they won that game, and uh, they got the 3-0. So, it pretty good.
0: Yeah, 3-0 weekend for them is a very good sign. A lot of people will say, well, their opponents weren't that great. Well, I don't know. 100 Thieves looked pretty good this weekend. So, I don't think you can just completely discount that. And honestly, 3-0 in any weekend is really good. Especially for a team that a lot of people, us included, have towards the bottom of their power rankings. So... This is a very, very good sign for immortals. Uh, I think we should start in the top lane. Although I will say that revenge did struggle in his Viego game. He had two really, really good set games where he looked great. And, mm-hmm. uh, that is a very good sign because Revenge did struggle more towards the end of spring. He had a very good start, but a pretty lackluster mid and late end of the spring split. And seeing him pop off in the first weekend is very, very good for Immortals fans. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, his two set games that he played on Friday and Saturday were just pretty nuts. He was, in my opinion, uh, pretty much just turbo smurfing the game with Xerce. Um, They did a really great job of coordinating their various uh the set cc with the rumble ult that's one thing that i thought you know going back and looking a little more closely at the games that they were doing consistently in both of those games or pretty much any if any skirmish or team fight was layering the rumble ulti with the set e or with the set alt dunking it onto multiple people we're kind of really seeing set actually rise in popularity because i feel like the you know with all the various engage that we have in the game right now paired with a lot of these big wombo type ultimates Specifically the rumble coming out of the jungle, it seems like a pretty uh powerful combo. And yeah, uh they were dunking on fools on well, and, Golden Guardians and Hunter Thieves.
0: And Xersei got player of the week. I don't know if you mentioned that, but Xersei got player of the week as well. That's how good uh his I mean you gotta speak to his Rumble. His Rumble was fantastic. And I guess that's why it's probably I mean, on top of the 3-0, and because they're looking good in top and in jungle, and probably I guess. I guess their bot lane is a little iffy, I will admit, but regardless, it's easy its easy to see why both of us have them trending up here, right? Like, there's mm-hmm. no doubt that this is a team that's definitely trending up. Let's talk about the bot lane a little bit. I didn't think that race was that great on the Jinx. I think there was a lot of times that his positioning was a little lackluster and he could have thrown the games. And not only that, Destiny's um, his Nautilus was quite yeah, bad. His- that was a really bad Nautilus game, but he did recover on the Thresh. He looked really good on Thresh. And so you got to give props there. He, he had a very, very, very good thresh weekend. And so that is a very good sign because I didn't think their bot lane looked very good last split either. And I think yeah. that it was definitely an improvement.
1: The main problem with this Immortals lineup, you know, can throughout the spring split was it always felt like either on a week to week basis or a game to game basis. It just felt like somebody was having a terrible game. Like at the start, their bot lane was clearly struggling. Um, And, you know, while they did have some pretty all right performances uh, in the mid and late parts of the split, we did see, as you mentioned before, Revenge kind of fall off quite hard from his really hype first two weeks of the split, because I think uh, week one in Spring Split, Revenge had a really great week. Week two had a pretty solid week and for the most part became pretty invisible. And I kind of just felt like with each Immortals week, it was kind of one specific player who didn't have a great week and then therefore Immortals wasn't really able to chain a lot of wins. And I do feel like if we can kind of get this version of Immortals where we do have Revenge and Xersei working well together, we have the occasional games where Reyes and Destiny aren't making int plays. I feel like that first game against 100 Thieves, yeah, Destiny was looking pretty terrible on the Nautilus, missing a ton of hooks. But Race had a pretty good game on that Tristana that game. Uh, their game against Golden Guardians, let's uh, be honest, they completely smashed them. And in that CLG game, their bot lane did play really well for like the first 15-20 minutes of the game. But like we said... Rays just like uh, turned off his monitor after twenty five minutes, walking into every Lilia, uh, walking into every Lilia oh, bowling yeah. ball, walking into like, I don't even know. he just walked into everything and got hit by everything in the late game. And they almost threw that game after like the monumentally fucking absurd lead that they had early on.
0: It was crazy to see how often he was getting hit by things, mainly the Lilia. And he just didn't buy a QSS
1: until like right at the end yeah. of the game. And then he bought a QSS, and then he just has his get-out-of-jail-free card, and then they just kind of won the game.
0: So in our in our predictions, JNT had Immortals. I decided to stick with CLG for lack of better judgment. Well, and... I, I originally had
1: CLG because I put my faith in CLG. And as I said earlier on, uh, it, it was either summer split last year or a spring split of this year you never put your faith in CLG and I switched yeah. my prediction.
0: I mean, I know that, but I also have said, I can't be a hypocrite. I've said too many times on this podcast that I am going to do my best to support CLG as often as I can. And so, uh, yeah, I I just, I thought about switching. I did. And I just was like, no, nope, I'm going to stick with I can't take CLG all the time. But anyways, my point that I was getting at was JNT predicted Immortals, and so he's cheering for Immortals in this game, and he is getting so tilted every time that he gets hit by a Lilia bowling ball. And uh, yeah, JNT was freaking out asking him to buy a QSS, but that's that's besides the point. Yeah. Um. Anything else on Immortals, or should we move on to the next team?
1: Uh, One thing real quick. Let me pull it up. Go ahead. Oh, shit. That didn't work. Is it
0: what I think it is?
1: <laughs> yep. Insanity it got is. the juice.
0: <laughs> okay. Insanity got the juice. I will say, I didn't honestly like not a lot stood out for me from Insanity this week. Yeah, he I he he line?
1: just no. He he had like a he himself like went on Twitter and just said like I didn't play very well this week. My team carried me. Uh, I didn't feel
0: like yeah. I I don't remember him running it down or anything. Yeah, he didn't run it
1: down, but he didn't have like any uh, nuts game or anything.
0: Insanity got the juice. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> who's next then?
1: Uh, we got 100T up next.
0: Yeah, so this was really interesting to me because, well, as everyone knows, Reapered's taking over as coach now and we got Abadage coming in. But it's kind of disappointing to see Abadage on Karma. Like, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with the pick. Like, I get you just play what's best and you play what you think is good. It is a little bit like, like, I want to see him play something else. But it looked pretty good. Um, JNT has them trending up. I have them trending about the same. Um, Now... I will remind people that they looked quite bad last split. And I would believe that that would have to be why you have them trending up now.
1: I have them trending
0: equal because I don't think all of their things are fixed. Like I, even though someday there was one game, Oh, there was one good game out of someday. Was it the game that he... Maybe it was the game that he solo killed Fudge, even though I think Fudge was just running it down. There was still some really... Yeah, it was the Wukong that, like, someday was completely running it down, and then there was closer ganking uh, a set from flanking. Like, those oh, are yeah, things that you was... just shouldn't do. So when I'm seeing things like that, I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, I didn't think that they were that great, and so I was not able to put them trending up yet, although I would definitely say if I had to go up or down, I would definitely go up, but I'm still putting them equal. There were still some things to me that looked quite mediocre let's say
1: yeah um my perception of 100 thieves going into the split was for the first couple of weeks we were going to see what kind of happened in their 100 thieves and sorry in the immortals game where we did see 100 thieves pretty disjointed not really on the same page uh I, i felt like the someday that we saw in that game was the someday that we had we saw in the spring split uh and it's kind of same with Closer, a player who I think has been really hyped for the better part of, like, half a year now, who kind of fell off pretty hard towards the end of the split, and I think partly of that was because, like, I think 100 Thieves just really took him off a lot of the champions that he was very successful on, and kind of, you know, I, I think we it's always good to play to your roster strengths, and when I saw this team just, like, completely adapt the hard form meta and they completely they completely dropped the Olaf, which was Closer's best champion, I really wasn't happy about that, but The next two games from 100 Thieves, the Cloud9 game and the Dignitas game, was really surprising to me to see because I thought they played really, really well in both of those games in terms of their team coordination, their draft and their planning and their execution and everything like that. And I was thinking that was going to take a little bit more time uh, for them to really get online. And that's why I kind of have them trending up was because I was expecting to see more of the Immortals game type 100 Thieves this week. But their next two games were really, really nuts in my opinion.
0: The the other thing I'll say, is, since you bring up the Cloud Nine one hundred Thieves game, that to me was like I, I hate taking away credit from one hundred Thieves, but like let's be honest, Perks absolutely ran it down, or almost all of Cloud Nine absolutely ran it down. If if I'm being more honest, Fudge just died randomly like level two to the Nars, the Malphite. Like that was like you you can't be trading there. And then Perks, unfortunately, Flash W's award. Um, I went back and looked at that, and I actually do think that if if he does land his W onto either uh, either of the champions, either the Karma or um, the Xin Zhao, I think that that trade goes a lot different. And I don't know, like that. those are just things that are completely int. and then perks ended up getting caught out again later. Like these were really, really bad plays from perks and from Cloud9 in general that it's like, I wasn't super impressed from 100 Thieves and that that is also why I still have them like trending equal, if you will.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is that yeah perks was kind of running it but you know to look at the reverse side of things like closer was in almost every scenario where perks was going in trying to be a little over aggressive onto Abadaga in the mid lane closer was doing a really great job of showing up right place right time and pathing correctly to know when to be in a position to save his mid laner and on the flip side i think their draft in that game and their execution of the draft in that game really showed uh kind of about 15 or like maybe like 12 to 15 minutes in the game when Cloud9 was really going super dive heavy. And I think Hunter Thieves, while they did have a decent lead, you know, played very well in terms of peeling correctly uh, and then re-engaging with the fat movement speed from like the Karma, Shirelias and Shields uh, and the Braum chase down. Like, yeah, it's one thing to int, but it's the, it's another thing to be like punishing over aggressive plays. Like I wouldn't call absolutely m- absolutely the, fair. Yeah, yeah. Mi- minus the one play where Perks flash W the ward. Yeah, that was an int play. But there's a difference between actually running it down and inting and punishing a team's over aggressiveness. And I think that's more what I saw in that game specifically.
0: Yeah, it, it it is fair. It's difficult because again, I don't want to take away credit from 100 thieves, but I do have to acknowledge inting when I'm seeing it. And it was a little bit of both, right? So. Yeah, definitely. The the last thing that I'll say as well is that I thought FBI looked really good on the Ez- Ezreal. Um I don't remember which game it was. They were losing a team fight, but he was still dishing out a bunch of damage and landing so many Qs that I think that he deserved a shout out for that. But I mean, that's no hot take. That's no hot take, right? Like FBI's FBI we, good. we've thought he's Yeah, we think he's good. He looked good. And so that's nothing really crazy, but I mean, credit where it's due. I thought that he had a a good weekend as well and his Ezreal is very good. Um, before we move on to the next team, huge shout out to the people in live in the live chat for subscribing, reformed beans, and glimmer. Thank you guys so much uh on this note actually the the beans is really fitting because we actually haven't told anyone yet that we have a beans emote oh yeah, we uh, yeah, have bean soup emote. I should put it in the chat if i There it is uh mm. it is awful. You have to type like clown f five beans like that
1: yeah, is, we need to there's like it's a thing Absolutely awful. yeah there's like a there's like a preset prefix to the emote which we can change later on hopefully uh but for now there's yeah there's kind of this aids like uh prefix that you have to type on the emote but we got an emote and we're gonna get a few more soon uh so yeah so we got stuff to spam it, it's in fitting. the chat we
0: always do yeah we always do the the pop off and bean soup uh segment and so maybe we'll try to look for a pop-off emote if we can get it. We have another one in the works that's just a regular one. Um so you guys that are subbing, thank you guys so much. It really means a lot to us. And well you get to enjoy some cool emotes with that. Um one ha- actually one last other thing. I know this is going on a little bit long, but before we move to the next team, this is also our one year episode and I completely forgot to mention it. Oh yeah. Um our very first episode was June 9th of last year. And so this is the closest we're gonna get to our one year anniversary. So again Huge shout out to everyone that's coming back. Our channel has grown uh, a lot since last year, seeing as some of our videos had like 20 viewers or something like that at the start. And now we're up towards two to 300 uh, and almost above 300 if we're counting on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So just a huge thank you to all of you guys. We appreciate you guys so much. Um, but without further ado, let's get into our next team. Let's keep things going, JNT.
1: Dignitas, next team.
0: Dignitas. Um... I, wow, you have them trending equal. I thought that they looked very, very good this weekend, um, especially Saligo. I want to hear your thoughts as to why you have them trending equal. Let's start there.
1: Well, I did think they played very well. Uh, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to knock their performance because I did I do think that it was pretty good. Uh, The only bad thing that I will really say about um, Dignitas this weekend was their draft against uh, 100 Thieves. While I did think that the Darius jungle pick was very interesting.
0: Oh, yeah, the Darius. I, I do yeah, think... Back on his jungle yeah, shit.
1: yeah, he's on the A to Z jungle challenge. He's resumed that. But I did think that while I don't want to completely give up on the pick, I thought that the way that they put it in a team comp was pretty bad. Because I think, you know, kind of like what 100 Thieves has been doing all weekend, running a quote-unquote carry jungler uh, with a Karma in the mid lane, I thought that's like a perfect synergy that you can do for a champion like Darius. So what I would have liked to see... Okay, what am I saying? I would like to see this Darius pick again. However, I would like to see it inserted with a sort of 100 Thieves style comp that they were doing with the Karma and the Braum. Two champions that really can promote a carry to get on your champions and then stick on the priority champions. So I thought... It was. It just didn't really fit. You know, you kind of saw that really like post 15 minutes. Yeah, the Darius was super, super strong, was doing a lot in the skirmishes early on, but fell off super hard late when basically he would get tagged with the Braum Q, couldn't move. And if he ever did get even close to on top of somebody, you would get the fat karma speeds away and he would get peeled so hard. He was like, omega oh, useless past 15 minutes. But it's not a pick that I want Dick to give up on quite yet.
0: Yeah, that that is totally fair I, I think I, I'm behind you with that um I want to talk about saligo I thought that he had a great weekend um I somebody agree. in the live chat pointing out uh glimmer pointing out his akali was great I just want to rem- remind people that the start of that game was disaster yeah uh, there that was a level a one that disaster. they lost uh, yeah I I don't know how many people they lost they gave up a couple of kills was two I think, kills. level one but also saligo had to base level one and use his TP right away Yeah, he basically got put to 1
1: HP and then had to base TP on the second wave with, like, 1 CS or something.
0: Right. And I've been pretty vocal that I think Akali is kind of busted. But, I mean, that's very far behind in a really, really quick part. So, I I definitely want to... What's that?
1: Nothing. Loud noise. Thank you, Reformed Beans. You're a beast.
0: Reformed Beans gifting some subs in the live chat. Thank you so much, Reformed, uh, Reformed Beans. What a homie. Um... What was I saying? I was talking about the Akali. Uh, yeah, that was an extremely bad start, and he managed to actually deal so much damage in that game, really absolutely popping off. But not only that, his set was really, really good. In the one game that Dardoch was absolutely popping off with his Rumble, he had like a billion kills. So much of the setup was on Saligo. And so Dardoch had a great game on that Rumble, don't get me wrong, but I think a lot not a lot of people realize just how good of a game Saligo had on the set. And so I wanted to give a really big shout out to saligo for his set because i think that he was the one that started snowballing that game with the roam top at uh, at the very i think it was like level three or four or something like that um yeah really really good jungle mid um what's the word synergy pro proactivity yeah oh, old synergy yeah, that, that, of course that, yeah. but proactivity uh they were fantastic and i think they were a really big part into why uh, i have them trending up and why dignitas got some wins this weekend
1: yeah i think as you mentioned that sort of three-man coordinated dive that they made uh on the level three top laner uh, in that game basically snowballed the whole lead for them I, I think you're you're really correct in saying that soligo really opened that game up and just gave dardok the tools to then carry the game funny thing I don't know um, if you or anybody else saw the uh, basically the videos or the clips of Darlox Proview in that game where he typed like XD in the all chat like two <laughs> times. I don't know. Th- there was a. I L- heard
0: about it. I didn't see it. I heard it was, about
1: it. It was it was funny to be honest. And then I, I, it's funny. Well, it's not funny. LS he basically gave his take on it and basically said how he thinks that's like super super BM even though like he's like he, him and nemesis both said afterwards like emoting's fine like taunting is fine but all chatting's not fine and i didn't really get that because, i don't care but like yeah, Nem- I think it's great. but nemesis like also made the point that oh like you can both mute emotes and taunt it's like well you can also mute the chat so like if you know yeah. that your opponent's like a known all chatter or whatever and like pro games like you can just do that as well i don't know i think it's hilarious
0: uh, it, it's maybe you can't it, though hold on maybe you can't mute all chat because if there's ever pauses you have to like all chat ready or whatever no i guess the refs would do that maybe not yeah maybe you can just mute all chat actually thinking about it more
1: i don't know i think it's funny it, like people the thing is like people, people want there to be like funny storylines in the lcs or like rivalries quote unquote or like they want yeah. they're they're want, people want tension and then people like don't want it when like it actually happens like i don't know i, I never get that like standard that they have where like people want something but then when it actually happens they're like complaining about it i don't get that it's funny when people are all chatting it's hilarious
0: yeah and glimmer pointing out that he said sup diff, too. too that, like <laughs> that's that's, so that's funny dude i love it because that's like not only are you doing some fun flame, but, like, you're propping up your teammates. You're like, yeah, my support's fucking awesome. So it's, like, it's a little bit of good, you know? It's a little bit of good and bad, which I, I really, really like. So, yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, Um. um just I don't because I
1: don't think I really answered your question why I put Dig Neutral. Um, okay, go I ahead. was sort of following a somewhat similar logic to why I had 100 Thieves trending up, basically because I thought going into the season that Dignitas early on was still going to be a very strong team, and then... F- Fall off pretty hard towards the end of the split. I, I I think they're gonna fall off really hard if I'm being if I'm being completely honest. And so, yeah, I think I'm expecting them to win early games. I do think they looked better than I thought they would because I thought their two wins were very clean. Uh, but for the most part, um, I, they're gonna win, but then they're gonna start losing. So
0: I mean, maybe that that is the the general sentiment that people seem to have about this team um so i don't think that that's a crazy take like i think there's a good chance that that is what happens but regardless what we saw this weekend was mostly good and so that's why i still have them trending up no matter what yeah um another last guy that i want to shout is neo i think i think his ezreal was also really good um there was some troll i don't remember exactly what it was i remember there was a couple times that his ezreal was kind of trolling or no he got solo killed by um by danny right that was neo yeah, yeah. Uh, regardless, regardless, there was some team fights S- where Neo was absolutely bolo. popping off and landing everything as well, just like FBI was. And so, if I'm going to shout out FBI for landing all of his cues in team fight, then I think Neo deserves the same kind of shout out as well. And so, yeah, just uh, some shout outs to Neo because I- I'm becoming a fan. I like him.
1: All right. Uh, next up, we got FlyQuest, dude. When I was like looking up and like trying to remember everybody's records, FlyQuest went two one this week, but it does not yeah. feel like they went two one whatsoever
0: is this a good time to get into the FlyQuest? Should we do FlyQuest and then follow it up with the FlyQuest EG game? We have to talk about FlyQuest EG game at some point. That game was insane. When, we'll just, when do you want to we'll do that? We'll just do
1: it now, because it was a banger game.
0: Dude, okay, so that is one of the games that, like, yeah, they won, but, like, both teams deserve to lose, and I know yeah. a lot of people don't like that take, but let's be honest, both teams deserve to lose that game. It was an absolute fiesta, very, like, pun intended, and I don't care though. I thought that that was the best game we've seen in the LCS all year. Maybe the best game I've ever seen in the LCS, although I can't say I remember all them well. So there's maybe like a game that like I'm just obviously forgetting. That game was awesome. It was so good. Uh holy crap, where where should we start in that game? Level 1, there's seven flashes blown and no one dies.
1: Dude, uh,
0: level huge, 1, everyone's brawling over a red buff.
1: Huge just street fight over the red buff no kills happened as you mentioned basically everybody burnt their flash but it basically just led to like a huge jungle lead for jose diodo because sven scarin got put low got forced out of his red side jungle had to walk all the way to his blue side jungle and was basically just down like almost 20 cs like right at the start of the game
0: yeah, so right off the bat, there's, like, an absolute Fiesta. FlyQuest gets the red buff, though, and they get, I guess, everyone uses all their flashes. Like I said, there were seven of them used. And then what happens later on, we got Jazuke like, jumping into the Zoe after or during getting hit by a bubble and just trading one for one in yeah. pure Jazuke style. Uh, what else? I, I got notes here. We got Impact. He overextends into Jazuke and just, and Jazuke TPs right on top of the, of the Wukong and the Lee Sin. Like, what is going on in this game, man? Like, so many int plays Like, so many. like
1: if you could sum up Jizuke, it would be this game. Like, yes. he's having these crazy moments where, as you mentioned, he's in the middle of getting slept, and it's like 200 HP, jumping on the Palafox, bursting him from like or 500 HP, getting the one-for-one, one, and then you have multiple times in that game where Jizuke is getting caught out in side lane, or as you just mentioned, on Tristana trying to use your teleport to save your top laner who's currently getting four and then have to like burn your flash for it as well there was just a whole lot of shit going on in this game
0: that was an in play that like it was in but he actually didn't end up dying yeah somehow he managed to get out but that was an in play like that was a bad tp like let your bro die man and while we're on the topic of Jazuke tps this was one of the weirdest plays i think i've ever seen in the lcs Jazuke starts tp'ing top this was the the fight in the bot lane jizuke starts tp'ing top and as he does that then eg engages the fight and somehow wins the fight i've never seen a team like yeah they're it, so not on the same page it's right like now. it's
1: like Jazuke was like 20 seconds in advance knew his team was going to win the 4v5 and was like already ready split <laughs> pushing top line it was really weird because like a fight is a literally about to break out and all of a sudden, you just see there's a TP top lane going on. And, and it, like for a split second, I thought that somebody from top was TP bottom, but uh, it was just crazy.
0: And they cleaned up, so if I'm not mistaken, EG cleaned up four kills on FlyQuest in that fight. Jizuke's been top already, even while the fight is happening, pushing. So now it's Wukong, it's Licorice on Wukong, the only one that gets away. And now he has to fend off the set that TP'd with Jizuke afterwards, because yeah. they're trying to end the game. And... To Licorice's credit, he is holding them off 1v2 and ends up holding the game there where that game could have been over. He has a really nice defense, and so the game prolongs even more. And then Jose Diotto goes and steals a Baron right after. Right after that, Jose Diotto steals a Baron, and then they run right over to Drag, and they get Dragon Soul. What the fuck, man? I loved this game. It was so insane.
1: You you could just tell, like, once it hit, like, 30 minutes, like, it was just complete chaos. Like, you literally threw macro out the window past 30 minutes in this game because, like, if you, like, honestly, going back and looking at this game, there were so many... Layering mistakes from both sides in terms of like the macro late game where eg like kind of somewhat like wins a fight gets a two for one then chooses to do baron when the enemy jungler is still alive when the enemy team is on soul point for infernal you then get wiped at baron baron gets stolen and the enemy team gets infernal as well And then from the FlyQuest side, they have Infernal, but it's funny, we were watching the co-stream, and it didn't even feel like they had Infernal because of, like, how, like, I don't even know. Like, oh, my God. And then what did we saw? We saw, like, three Elder Drakes, and, like, nobody could end the game with an Elder Drake. We saw multiple barons from both teams where teams just were never committing. It just felt like... It was just really crazy to watch. And as you mentioned, there was real... Like it felt like a team shouldn't have won this game because both teams had the double mega buff in Baron and Elder and couldn't close the game out.
0: So I, I believe there was a point in time where FlyQuest had Baron, Soul, and Elder. And I don't think they could close out the game. Yeah,
1: that they they didn't. That's
0: pretty crazy. That that's hard to not be able to close out that game. In the end, <laughs> Oh, God. EG ends up getting a, or an Elder later. And Baron. And they blitz the Nexus. Yeah, and Baron. They blitz the Nexus, somehow wipe, trying to kill FlyQuest in their fountain, and then FlyQuest runs it all the way down and ends up winning that but game. It, that game went 53 minutes. You know how hard it is for a game to go 53 minutes nowadays? Like, that's such a long game.
1: Yeah, but, like, the weird part about that whole sequence of events was, like, EG was, like, dancing in their base for 20 seconds while the Elder was expiring, And then they choose to fight with five seconds left on Elder. Like, there's only five seconds left on the Elder buff, and that's when they choose to make their engage. And they're basically, they're not necessarily diving fountain, but they're diving right in front of the fountain where the enemy team is literally sitting in their base, regenning HP while you're attempting to kill them. Like, again, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, but in situations like that, just have your frontline engage and have your DPSers hit objectives. Like, those things melt. It's 53 minutes into the game, like you just mentioned. You had 6-item Tristana, 6-item Samira, and 6-item Rumble, who would have one-tapped Towers and Nexus. And,
0: and the uh, Nexus lives at half HP. The uh, Nexus is half HP when everyone wipes, and that's when FlyQuest runs it down with everyone on EG having 60-second si- it was plus like, yeah, timers. it
1: was. Some death timers were like seventy plus seconds, and yeah, FlyQuest that... basically just run it back and end the game, and they won. Well,
0: all this to say, that was definitely my favorite game we've seen so far this year. 100%. If you guys haven't seen it, that is a game that is worth going back to watch if you. If maybe you got a little bit impatient, I don't blame you because maybe there was half an hour in between the game. I don't know. And you were like, I don't want to watch this game. I don't blame you. Go yeah. watch this game. It was great. You, you won't be disappointed. Um, okay, so let's get back to FlyQuest here a little bit. We both have them neutral despite the fact that they went 2-1. and one. Uh, one of the guys I'm actually pretty disappointed with is Johnson. In that very yeah. game that we were just talking about, he got caught many times. And he's been getting caught a lot so in the in the past weekend and that's a very worrying sign. you can't be an 80 carry and get caught as often as he's been getting caught. He had a pretty lackluster spring as well and this is a pretty steep drop off from where we saw him last year yeah it
1: it's sad to say, but Johnson just does not look the same whatsoever he looks like one of the worst 80 carries in the league. It's sad to say because we were both really high on this player, and we both mm-hmm. thought that like him and Afremu were getting criminally underrated in yes. the summer split well, they of the were. LCS. They were,
0: yeah, they they were he was great, and so was yeah. Afro last year. Definitely agree, they were underrated. And, and they basically think... like
1: are going on opposite paths here, where Afremu is doing the same thing again with Neo, and really you know showing a lot of you know great uh, showing a lot of great things on Dignitas and Johnson and his yep. new team on Flyquest are just it doesn't feel like they're very good. Again, I, I was really surprised when I just looked at it and was like, oh yeah, this team went 2-1. and one, But for the most part, we're still pretty neutral on FlyQuest. Uh, do, I don't think either of us think that they're going to make a run, per se, in terms of like yeah. battling for maybe even top five in terms of standings. Obviously, when it comes to playoffs, anything can happen. Eight teams make playoffs. All you got to do is get in it. Um, but I don't think this team is going to be contending for the top. Um, I still think that have the potential to lose to some of these bottom teams and it just it's a weird mixture right now going on with FlyQuest.
0: i just i want to thank lamau lp in live chat for giving us some reference about some of the longest games we've seen across the different regions uh this is just i i think this is good so i'll read them out uh edg rng went 48 minutes uh that that's this year the lec record was G2 Rogue went 50 minutes, apparently. the uh, Lamao LP, I hope you're not trolling me here. I hope you have some good sources. Um, LCK was Damwon and Gen G at 52 minutes. And then now I guess the LCS has beaten it with 53.58. Um, although he's saying as well that um, 100T and GG went oh, 56 minutes in spring. I don't even remember that.
1: That was like, but, that was like they were playing Janna. That was when they whipped out the Janna against the Rel. I remember that. I mean, I'll, have
0: to take, I'll have to take your word for it.
1: I remember the G2 Row game because that was I think Caps was playing Echo or something in that game. Um, I wanna say.
0: You right. got it from Game of Legends. We use Game of Legends a lot, so I mean Game I of Legends trust. is epic. Game of Legends is a pretty good site. Uh anything else on FlyQuest?
1: Uh they're all right. Yeah.
0: I, I do want to give some credit to, to, to Licorice actually, because um a lot of people were was it against Finn, I think? where oh he dumped on Finn Finn. kind of underperforming but like even though he underperformed maybe like you still got to give credit to the other guy that absolutely like you said dumped on him and so I I guess this was a little bit of a reminder regardless of the champions being played because I think he was on Gwen right
1: yeah it was Gwen versus GP
0: regardless of the champions being played you still I think this was a reminder that Licorice had a very very good CSD last year in in summer I believe it was or maybe it was spring um and he was a very good top laner. So let's not forget that Licorice still knows what he's doing in the top lane. And he definitely made quick work of, of Finn, who I think will bounce back. I don't think Finn is going to be as bad as people think. But anyways, just a little bit of credit that I got to give to my boy Licorice.
1: All right. Uh, next up, we got Cloud9. I have them as neutral. You have them as trending down. Another difference yep. we got going on here.
0: Yeah, I feel like this is probably just going to be a semantic difference. I think we both still have the same kind of idea of where this team's at. But let's see. So for me, I had to put them trending down because, well, I think that Perks looked really, really good in playoffs. And I think that he looked really, really fucking bad this weekend. And I, I guess you could, I guess for you, you are prob- you would probably reference how he was looking from MSI, perhaps?
1: Uh, Maybe. I mean, yeah, Perks had a bad weekend. Well, he had a really, well, I know, well, actually, sorry. He didn't have a bad weekend. He had a bad game. Against 100 Thieves, but he mm-hmm. kind of was 1v9-ing in the Silas game against Team Liquid. Um, like, I don't know.
0: I don't. He even got caught a couple of times on the Silas in that game as well, and almost threw, if I you remember He got caught right. once.
1: I wouldn't, I wouldn't count it as he almost threw. He, caught, he got caught once.
0: I mean, sometimes um, that's all it takes, is getting caught one guy, and then the team goes bare, and then they force a fight. Like... That,
1: potentially yeah it,
0: it, if it it doesn't always necessarily lead to the thing that it could lead to you know what i'm saying yeah and getting caught in those moments is a really bad thing like really really bad yeah, so, yeah.
1: i mean for the most part um obviously a lot of people are going to point to Cloud9 losing to golden guardians and i know they got memed on pretty hard because they'd obviously lost the pentanet at uh, msi and then you know, you lead off with losing to golden guardians but Honestly, I didn't think that it was like a completely shit show performance out of Cloud9 to where they lost to Golden yep. Guardians. I give way more credit to Golden Guardians than I do to Cloud9 r- in that game way. A Blaze Olive was absolutely 1v9ing that game because Solo was kind of running it a little bit top lane. Chime was most definitely running it on a uh, Leona support and A Blaze Olive like he, uh, whether you want to fault King for getting hit by every skill shot or you want to praise A Blaze Olive for hitting every skill shot on King like it's, it's one of the two, and for me, I thought of all just played really, really well. And obviously, yeah. we, we did talk about this a little bit. King kind of had that int moment where he Kaisa ulted into the two Nexus Towers. Who knows, maybe that doesn't happen, and Cloud9 just straight up ends the game. Um, but to me, I've always had the opinion that getting a large lead and then throwing it in a sort of weird circumstance of events at the end is always better than looking like absolute shit. And it's more, as I said, I think I'm giving more credit to Golden Guardians than I am on the C9 throw for that game. Obviously, they had a really terrible game against 100 Thieves. And then the Team Liquid game, they played really well. And for that reason, I'm neutral.
0: Yeah, so the other thing that I'll say, just to add on to your part about uh, how a Blaze Olive played really well on the Zoe, he also had a really crucial bubble that he landed on Blabber. Even though Blabber didn't end up dying there, it started a fight that really got Golden Guardians back into it as well. And so you could blame all of Cloud9 for splitting up there. That That's a pretty, that's a macro uh, mistake that you could give to the whole team for splitting under those circumstances and getting picked off. Um, and then also right after that, as C9 looked like they had finally peeled off, then Vulcan goes diving in on the set, the ulties it set, and it prolongs the fight, and it just gives more picks over to Golden Guardians, and then that's how they get back into the game. So there was a lot of errors there, I guess, is where I'm going with this for Club there Nine, was. that I think a lot of people are at fault. And for a team that won Spring, I think that if you come out and lay an egg like this, I think that you deserve to be trending down. Now, with that uh, said... But,
1: well, what I, I would say to that on the flip side is... His, history does prove that a lot of the teams that go to international events, specifically MSI, are yeah, some. Yeah, but they, they are slow out of the gate. Yeah, not to say that you weren't going to say that, but just to throw that in there, it, mm-hmm. it's not super surprising to me that Cloud9 right. is a slow team out of the gates, mainly because we did hear from Fudge last week on Hotline League that Cloud9 literally was at the time they were only going to have three days of scrims before the start of the split and we've now heard from a lot of different teams that they've been at the very least scrimming for three plus weeks and i don't think it's any surprise at all to see cloud9 be slow out of the gate when they've had only three days of practice plus king who's new to the team has just only been integrated into the team has only been scrimming for three days
0: so what I was going to to say was, even though like yes, like they have less scrim time, they just got off of a break. Just because that happens doesn't mean that they're not trending down still. Just because it's expected for them to trend down doesn't mean they're not trending down. And so that's why ultimately yeah, that's... I still had them with the red arrow. Even though yes, it is a fair point to bring up and it is valid. It's just it's still trending down in my opinion. Like they yeah. they lost to the worst team in the league. That that's bad, <laughs> regardless of sub, regardless of break. Um, but yeah, to your point, Golden Guardians looked a lot better, and so you got to give some credit there. Um, what else happened in, in, in for Cloud9? Anything else that stood out? Um,
1: they did their little cute little lane swap kind of thing in uh, their game against Team Liquid. Yep. Um, yep. I thought Fudge had a really good performance on the Gwen. Obviously, I think, I know we kind of talked about, is Viego that broken? We all know that Gwen is most definitely broken. And uh, it was honestly pretty surprising to see a lot of teams get their hands on Gwen. Especially
0: champion gets through so often, yeah, man. How did that happen?
1: Especially after I, I don't remember which game it was on Friday. I think the first the first game that we saw Gwen was the FlyQuest CLG game, where Licorice, as we kind of just mentioned before for FlyQuest, completely dumped on Finn one v nine that game. And I feel like moving forward, everyone thought that okay, that's the last we're going to see of Gwen this week. <laughs> and it got through like it felt like five more times. I think Cloud9 played it, CLG played it, uh who else played it uh other teams played it the, those aren't the there only two instances it but it was days. just surprising to see that champ get picked more because i feel like everybody recognizes that it's broken
0: yeah yeah i i completely agree you and i when we were watching these drafts we were like i feel like gwen should be banned over that champion over that champion, yeah. over that champion but that's so easy for us to say right we're not in the draft room doing the prep and so they have things in mind that we don't I gotta say it, because it's true, right? It is true that they have a lot more information than us, but there was, like, an Udyr ban. Like, you should be banning the Gwen over the Udyr. There was a Lucian ban. I think you should be banning Gwen over Lucian. Like, those are things that... Come on, man. Especially if the team's on blue side, you know what they're gonna first pick. Give them the first pick Lucian instead of Gwen. Like, don't get me wrong. Lucian's oppressive in lane. Gwen's oppressive, like, by far, <laughs> uh, for given mean uh but by far throughout like almost the whole game so mm. yeah anyway uh anything else on cloud nine
1: no we got a uh, team liquid up next a uh, bit of the same here you got them trending down i got them trending sideways my logic on team liquid is kind of following suit with cloud nine uh while they, they while i don't think I, I don't want to call it an excuse but while they don't have the same situation where they went off to msi and had a prolonged or had a shortened break because of that Um, again, with the whole Jenkins substitution coming in, I I didn't, again, I didn't expect big things out of it in the first place. And it wasn't necessarily a surprise to me, uh, that they lost to cloud nine. I did switch my prediction over to cloud nine, partially because we did see Jenkins coming in for Alfari last minute. Uh, and I think they played an all right game against CLG. Like, I don't know. I I think this is another team who we all recognize is one that is going to get, Basically stronger on a week by week basis, and it's you know if you need to beat Team Liquid to help improve your standings, you need to do it early on because the longer you give this team, I feel like the better they are going to get because it does feel like they have a lot of room. Uh, they, they they need a lot. They need to do a lot of improvements.
0: So the I guess where I have trending down is one. Um, even though I th- <clears throat> even though like I said before, um, I don't think that Alfari's least in game was awful, but it was worse than what I would expect out of Alfari. So that's one. Two, even though I think Jenkins still looked good when he went in, I would say Alfari has still been better than what we saw from Jenkins. Uh, three, I think Santorin was worse. Um, with that said, I really don't like uh, Santorin being on the Volibear. He was on it twice. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I guess they're not being proactive enough. I know that's like, a, that's like a, I don't know, cliche word to say, but I really don't think they are being proactive enough to be playing Volibear. Um, I say this all the time about volley if you're going to make that pick you need to be diving turrets and utilizing the ultimate and there's never any opportunity that they really had to do that um, and so if you're not able to do that I think that it's not worth having the volley bear pick and we saw Santorin struggle on it in both of those games he really struggled to make things happen which was yeah. kind of a big problem and I think Santorin was great last split uh, for the most part. So I think that that's definitely another area where they're trending down. Um, although I will say that Jensen, Core JJ, and Tactical all looked fine for the most part. Yeah. I actually think I think Core JJ looked really good on his Leona game. Um, but I mean, big surprise, right? Like, yeah. Um, uh, Core JJ knows how to find fights. Get out of fucking town, right? Like, yeah.
1: Yeah, Santorin's giving me uh, Rek'Sai vibes on his Volibear. Basically, mm. I don't think I've ever said it on this podcast because Rek'Sai hasn't been meta for a while. But when Rek'Sai was like super super meta in season eight. Any time Santorin would pick Renekton, he basically just refused to gank for the first 20 minutes of the game. And I feel like that's the same kind of thing going on with his Volibear right now. The main thing that I... I a lot of people are going to question the build that he did. Uh, the first time he ran the Volibear, he did Sunderer into Zhonya's. And the second time that he did Volibear, he did Sunderer into Randuin's into Zhonya's. I don't... Like, we've already seen... Previously, the Sunderer build in the LEC, I think both Elyoya and Selfmade ran the Sunderer Bear after it initially got buffed. This is obviously before Sunderer got buffed. But for the most part, it did feel like the item build was pretty useless for the most part because your goal is to be able to dive the backline and then stick on the backline. Kind of similar to what Udyr's job is in these teamfights right now where you just want to like be a disruptor and try to CC as many targets as possible. And you really can't do that when you're going such a squishy build. So it kind of just seems like a not very pro play meta build in terms of your job in team fights is not jumping the backline and getting a big burst of damage off with your E, you know, W damage with your sheen procs. It's just about surviving and disrupting. And that build to me doesn't really do it. And you pair that, like you just mentioned, with not a lot of activity in the early game and you're just kind of useless.
0: So I guess from your point of view, though, by having them neutral, you think that next week they come out of the gate and look fine? Yeah, I think,
1: Yeah, I think. I guess maybe for a few of these teams, the way that I'm judging them is I'm putting a lot of stock into their Week 2 performances. Um, Because, like I said, I'm thinking that both Cloud 19 and Liquid, they'll be fine. And I think 100 Thieves will continue to look good because they looked so good in Week 1. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think TL will be fine. Again, you consider the circumstances with the last-minute sub coming in, and you pair that with the fact that from the outside it's pretty safe to assume there are some clear internal problems. They didn't look terrible. They didn't look horrible.
0: Yeah, I would say they wouldn't look. They didn't look terrible as well. I would agree with that. But again, still trending down for sure for me. Especially with how they looked in playoffs, I think they just look. Again, it's the same argument for me with Cloud9. They they looked much better the last time we saw them. So I had to put them trending down. The last thing I'll say on Team Liquid is. I don't expect Alfari to be starting next week. Uh, yeah, I mean, they based that off of... His tweet, his tweet doesn't help things. Yeah. Uh, even though I enjoy the tweet and I think it's hilarious. And I, I understand that he's very frustrated because he's not playing. I don't think it helps his case, honestly. And so, yeah, I don't think that he'll be playing next weekend. But who knows? I mean, we didn't expect him to suddenly get benched. So maybe, we sh- maybe we're wrong about him playing next weekend. We'll have to wait and see.
1: All righty. We got Golden Guardians next up um i have them upwards you gotta meet
0: i just want to say i regret not having them up because they were so fucking bad yeah
1: and... that that's my main thing is they were yeah terrible. and they actually I, I... I thought had a pretty good weekend for who they are and what they do
0: i agree <laughs> that's that's so bm even though it's not like it's true on purpose <laughs> like that just think of how that sounds like that's so bm but like i you're right though you are right um Yeah, they they definitely looked a lot better. I think Solo is obviously an upgrade over Niles. Like, come Mm -hmm. on. Uh, He had a pretty good weekend. Uh, A couple int moments. Well, I wouldn't even call them ints. There was just like he had some losing matchups where he's getting dove and stuff. But, I mean, that could happen to anyone. Uh, I still thought he looked good overall. I guess the one int moment was when he ulted in on Nocturne. um, And he just kind of died. He tried to flash out and he just died. But for the most part, he looked pretty good. And it was definitely not a liability like Niles was. Um
1: that's the main thing.
0: What else? Olive, we mentioned he had a really good game against Cloud 9, so that was good. The, the problem that I see that hasn't changed with Golden Guardians is the bot lane. Um mostly because I think they're just bad in lane. Um yeah. I think that that hasn't changed at all. They struggle in lane and it's hard for you to come out of lane and make things happen when you're behind all the time. And uh we saw some desperation out of a on the on the Kai'Sa trying to ult in to pick to find some picks when they're clearly losing. Um, I don't mind necessarily trying to go for a pick when you need to try to make something happen, but it's very desperate and just, you know, it's not going to work when you're already behind from laning phase. So that's, that's the thing with golden guardians, even though I think they looked a lot better than we normally would see them. It doesn't necessarily mean much is going to change, even though yes, they looked a lot better.
1: Yeah. I thought, as I mentioned with the cloud nine game, I have more praise on golden guardians than do on cloud Nine running it. And in that TSM game, like, man, they were really in that TSM game. I think, uh, honest to God, I think if you sub out that Lucian mid for a control mage, I think Golden Guardians has a real chance of winning that game. Because it was. That was re-
0: where all the face checked, right? Yeah, all but I mean, also, like,
1: around. playing Lucian into that enemy team comp is, like, pretty, like, doomed. Like, you never want to be playing Lucian into a control mage past 15 minutes, and you definitely don't want to be playing it against Udir. And you kind of saw, like, all power people needed to do. A survive lane phase and he was going to be infinitely more useful than Lucian when it came to team fighting. We, we yeah. did, we, we've sort of seen TSM resort back to this just straight up team fight kind of style where their goal is to not fall behind early and just out team fight you. And I think with the golden guardians draft, they did get an advantage. I think specifically around solo solo had a really great game on the nocturne top kind of it did played really well against Huni's Viego. Um, but yeah, I think the later the game went, you kind of saw how insanity it was, or sorry, not insanity. Uh, it was really difficult for a Blazolve to play these fights as the Lucian. Uh, Lucian being a very low range champion, it's very hard to enter against champions like Orianna, Udir, Trist, and Braum. Uh, And, you know, a Blazolve got picked that one time. TSM got Baron. And then it was like uh, the game kind of snowballed a bit out of control.
0: So. Um, someone in the live chat is asking like why I have equal um, just a reminder that the, how we're doing it this week is trending up or trending down or trending the same um, I, I, and like I said at the start of this Golden Guardian segment honestly I should have had them trending up even though I still believe that they would actually finish 10th there's a good chance that that happens I still think that I should actually have had them trending up just because they played a lot better then they did last split then pretty much all that we've seen last split and so mm-hmm. just uh just for someone asking why the heck I have them as equal because I probably shouldn't in all in hindsight but anyways yeah uh what's next
1: uh hold up we got evil geniuses up next the other half oh, of our boy. the other half of our banger
0: uh so I don't want to go I don't want to repeat ourselves too much but I think the main thing we have to talk about is Jizuke right like he's I mean, running it on. down so, so here's the thing. Last week, I went to bat for Jizuke, and I went to bat for Jizuke pretty much all of last split because the way that I the way that I had seen him play is I would say Jizuke was someone that was going to get a lead and would occasionally throw it. Now, you and I both have them trending down, and that is just because what we saw this weekend was he would get a lead, but absolutely throw it every time. <laughs> and I think I think last split there was too much uh he's always gonna throw but it wasn't actually the case he would occasionally throw but we saw this weekend was i probably could count probably six or seven different int plays and i would even say that even if you had one int play per game that that's already bad he had like six or seven in three games yeah like he's averaging like two two per game or something like that.
1: definitely more Um, than two per game probably like more towards three
0: maybe three per game yeah like i don't know a- anyways, and like it was a very very bad yeah like costing your team the game kind of ints like if i'm on the team i am like not like this emote uh, after every single time he just dies you couldn't rely on him to be anywhere and not die chizuke's in a side lane i i would be so focused on just hey like can you like back up bro like i wouldn't even be able to focus on myself playing the game because i'm so confident that he's going to int and double lift on the co-stream straight up said like look guys when we're playing against these guys our 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 strategy was literally like if we're losing find jizuke (laughs) and i think that speaks volume as as funny as that sounds i believe it yeah holy crap was he running it down
1: it's funny just because like our episode last week, while I think we were giving Jazuke some necessary praise from his spring split performances, because it did feel like he wasn't as coin flippy. Uh, yeah. my, my other sentiment was like, do you really have faith in Jazuke? And I said, I was like, I have no faith in Jazuke when I, <laughs> when I, in, in terms of like getting a lead and carrying the game. And I feel like we kind of saw that their first game, uh, was against Dignitas, where he got really fed on the Tristana and basically, just into two, two times, threw away his entire lead and kind of lost the game for them. Uh, they obviously had that uh, really awkward TSM game where it's hard to like make a lot of judgments on that. And then, as we've already talked about, they had that shit show of a game against FlyQuest where they should have won on multiple occasions. Damn. And it's it's hard to put a lot of stock in Evil Geniuses when they kind of when they just play like this, man.
0: So, one other thing that I'll say about Jazuke is that I still, and maybe I'm just stupid. so flame me if you have to. I still don't think that he's going to carry on like this. There's no way, right?
1: Can't get like, any worse, hopefully.
0: I, I don't think that I, I still believe that the int moments will continue because I think that's just Jazuke. He makes high risk plays. I don't think he will have as many as he did this weekend. I hope I'm not eating my words next week. Um, but i th- I do think we will see improvement because he does still continue to get leads in the early game. But like Sneaky said, uh, Sneaky is like, what good is a lead if you're throwing it every time? And exactly. That, that is a, yeah, it's a, it's a very, very fair uh, assessment. Um, aside from Jizuke, though, I thought Impact really struggled this weekend. And he did. Not, just, not just Impact alone, because it, it seemed like all the plays that, not all of them, but a lot of the plays that Impact struggled with was communication with the team. There was the one play where he's Kennen and he's about to TP, or he was not TP flank, but he's just already in the brush and he's flanking on Kennen. And as soon as he goes in, you see the rest of the team backing off. Like you could tell there were so many moments where they just weren't on the same page. He had a set flank that didn't work out for the exact same reason. Impact was really having a hard time with his flanks this weekend. And it cost EG so much. They threw so many leads, but with these just failed flanks that they would just give up all their leads and just give up the games.
1: Yeah, Impact even, I remember he posted on his Twitter basically saying how he thought he played really terrible week one. Uh, one thing that uh I thought, you know, we actually saw a lot of this weekend, specifically in the top lane, was a lot of Set versus Wukong. And I actually think, like, that matchup seems really good for Set because on multiple occasions, I think both Set games that Impact was playing, he was up against a Wukong, and we did see a ton of, like, kind of, like, self counter pick with the wukong how the clone like when you hit w and use the clone the set e just basically makes it so you're automatically stunned no matter what because you have an additional target to proc that stun um so that was a matchup that i know impact i think played two times this weekend and i think he actually did a pretty decent job in lane uh but like you kind of mentioned like impact struggles were really you know team coordination um because as you mentioned there were a few instances where it was clear he was not on the same page or there was some failed communication between team members to where Impact was going in much earlier or even just going in by himself.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, someone in the live chat asking about what we thought of Danny. Because, yeah, this was Danny's LCS debut. And it Danny did not Phantom. take him long. It did not take him long at all to get his first kill. He was, like, first blood at, like, a minute 20 into the, his first game, which yeah. I wonder if that's a record for quickest. Ki- I don't know if they mentioned it or not. Maybe they feel did. I feel like a it's a stat of-
1: where, like, it'd be hard to, like, like it feels like it's like correct like
0: that has to be one of the quickest kills anybody's ever had into their career yeah. so that was kind of cool with that said i will not pretend like he had the most amazing weekend he had some nice plays he had the the soul kill on neo that was great but he also had the plays where he's just getting caught randomly and dying uh his samira it seemed like they had even though you have ignar who i think actually had a pretty good recon game it felt like they struggled a lot to get uh really good samira ulties um and you have a lot of engage on that team so i feel like you should have been able to find something somewhere i want to withhold judgment honestly and i know that's not the fun thing to do but i don't think it's fair uh to look at one weekend or three games rather and tell you what i think of a player i will say that for the for a start of a 17 year old rookie i think he looked okay that's what i would say
1: yeah i think danny it's clear he's a very raw player like as you mentioned as you mentioned as well like i'm not gonna like Put any like huge stamps on Danny only one week into his like professional debut basically because I think it's like he has like decent potential obviously he's playing lanes out decently like he's getting lanes in decent he seems he's getting kills in lanes sorry um he's working pretty well with Ignar in the landing phase but where he does seem to struggle is outside of landing phase where we have seen him get picked off multiple times but like I think he's all right like his landing's all right but his team fighting and his positioning is bad. And I think that will only improve over time. Like, it's funny also because, like, all the, all the various, like, Fiesta games that EG had, like, it felt like it was, like, the perfect crash course for him to, like, start his career. Like, it's not like he played three games and he got completely dumped on or he just got completely carried by his team. Like, no, like, he was a part of a lot of the decision making and, like, uh, big moments throughout the game. So he kind of did get, like, that instant, like, crash course into the LCS right
0: away yeah and just to clarify because i may not have worded things properly we were talking about fastest kill of someone's career not fastest kill because as someone points out last split there was the clg kill where they all just it immediately and broke the record for fastest kill ever yeah i, I may not have worded that properly so just want to clarify that um the other thing, too, that I have to say is that I haven't seen as much impact out of Svenskeren that uh, I, I'm pretty much past uh, Svenskeren being a top-tier jungler now. I think he Me now too. kind of falls in the middle of the pack. Um, I think it's been long enough since we've seen him perform well on a regular basis. And even the the one play against TSM, like we mentioned how Jazuke was running it down, there was one play where he just face-checks a brush towards Baron and it's like, First of all, you're the jungler, you can't be doing that. Second of all, I think they had a blue trinket. I I meant to go back and look at that, so I don't know that for sure. But I think they had a blue trinket. I'm sure there's other ways that they could have checked that brush, uh, and he just kind of gave away the game by just dying there. And so, yeah, a little bit of yikes there.
1: Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, we got CLG up last. Time to whip out the real flame.
0: No, (laughs) man i i said this to jnt earlier maybe yesterday i don't remember when but i am only like part-time clg fan like i am only a clg fan because i'm forcing myself to be a clg fan for this year and it's hard man like i feel bad for the legit hardcore like past seven years clg fans like do
1: those people exist
0: it's hard yeah they do we've had a couple in our chat before it's hard being a CLG fan, and I, I am, like, budget CLG fan. Dude. Ugh. Where, where should we start, man? Uh, should we start uh, with draft? Let's start with draft. Why the hell is Brox on Lilia?
1: Okay, a couple of things. Uh, Brox, they picked Lilia in their game against Immortals. Um, first of all, <laughs> Lilia is literally, statistically, I think, the worst jungler in the game right now. The worst actual jungler in the game. Uh, second of all, in their draft against FlyQuest, they managed to give up Gwen, Viego, and Ezreal in the first three picks and only getting Kaisa and Leeson in return. They traded a Gwen first pick for Kaisa and Leeson, who were, like, decent picks, pretty strong was picks. Was that
0: also the same game where they drafted Kaisa with not a lot of CC? Was yes. that, like, they only had a Leona only? Like, yes. I'm like, what, like, how you... Think they had a Nautilus. You're relying, you're relying only on... Okay, maybe it's Nautilus, whatever. You're relying on only your support for the kaisa combo or, or a least sin kick or something like that but like yeah you had like gp and karthus or something i don't remember exactly i just know they didn't have any cc and i'm like this is so bad for a kaisa
1: yeah their drafts were fucking bad uh their early games were fucking bad uh they basically lost the game off of level one to immortals credit to immortals though because they had a pretty smart uh, level one with that ward um but again, I'm gonna fault CLG for basically just face checking a bush when they knew that Udir was starting leashless. So if you face check the enemy jungle, they see, they didn't U-
0: know he was starting leashless, did they? Yeah, I think they, they they
1: walked up, they walked into the enemy jungle. That's why they were there in the first the blue place. Blue
0: buff was in the brush, though. They they didn't see that, did they? Well, yeah, the enemy the blue chi- buff was in the brush, and I don't think they warded over like where Gromp is or anything. No, my, they so they walked up. Were... They walked up. Okay. So the the reason why I'm bringing this up is what I thought was they thought that, like, the bot lane was over by Gromp, where, like, you couldn't see past that part of the wall. I don't know if they warded or not. I didn't know that they walked up that much. My thoughts were they're like, oh, they're leashing and they're probably around Gromp walking to lane right now was my thoughts. I I could go back and watch it again. but... But either way,
1: another thing that I'll point out, which is a pretty small thing that I only noticed when I rewatched the game, is Turtle even has, like, the small inkling that they could be in that bush. But he only chooses to check with his Q as he's about to enter the bush. Because, like, yeah. right right as he's getting Thresh hooked, you see an Ezreal Q come out. It's like, dude, like, if you thought they were in the brush in the first place, one, why are you face-checking the bush? And two, why aren't you checking that bush earlier with your Q? Like,
0: it's lazy. It's lazy. It's
1: lazy. The game was straight over off of level 1. Turtle gets his Flash blown, gets killed. He then gets killed again after Immortals hits level yeah. 2, and he gets hit with a stray hook. And we oh kind of we God. we kind of touched on this before with Immortals like Immortals was doing everything that they possibly could to throw that game having like Zersei babysit revenge top lane when he was getting dicked on uh, as like in from we're playing like what Nocturne versus Viego or something like that yeah uh, he, he was getting dicked on Zersei was like babysitting top lane and then Raze just starts throwing the game post twenty minutes by not buying QSS and getting hit by every skill shot known to man um and it was funny because CLG was like actually making a comeback because like Turtle minus the two deaths actually had a pretty good game overall but if you
0: had the shutdown yeah how does that happen he was like he had a 700 gold shutdown. he he was like
1: three two and two and had a 700 gold shutdown but like luckily as like rays had a bit of a buffer to work with where he had like a 2k gold lead like almost 10 minutes into the game because he got the full tower plus all the plates it was just straight fucked Uh, man i put CLG 5 in my power rankings and then they they pull up like this
0: I'm not yeah, gonna, I, I had them I had them 6.
1: So I man. had faith in CLG. I thought they were going to be pretty decent.
0: Maybe uh, they still can turn around. Maybe they, they can. Copium, baby, but they copium. gave they
1: gave me no reason to think so based off of this. It wasn't even yeah. like it wasn't even like they played all right or they lost some close games. Nope, they played like fucking shit. I'm sorry. They played like shit. I know we said we Finn, weren't going to we were going to try to not flame CLG this much. They fucking suck.
0: It's literally what we do best on this podcast. Okay, so Finn lost both sides of the Gwen GP that matchup. That feels so bad. Broxo was pretty much useless on Lilia and Nidalee and, and Carthus. is doing Yeah Brox is doing his uh Dardok A to Z Kind of thing as well. He's got three different champions that like I don't know if he's gonna repeat those, but anyways, uh, yeah. So he looked pretty useless. Poe Belter trying to flank on Lee Sin got caught a lot of times. He often wasn't on the same page as Smoothie on Smoothie's Leona. He looked like S- Smoothie was going in, and then Smoothie started backing off, and then Poe Belter goes in and gets caught. Like oh my god! And then speaking of Smoothie, it, like yeah, the, uh, his roam on alistair was really bad. He should expect that the other support is roaming as well. He flash combos in, and he's got no like prio mid. I could go on for fucking days with bad things that CLG did wrong. Uh, they were quite bad. So yeah, I, I'm I'm done. Let's get I a will, move on already. Maybe I'll maybe I'll still take them in predictions.
1: I uh, haven't even seen who they play, but I'm yeah. Already put, I'm already thinking a zero three.
0: Anyways, uh, okay, let's get into pop off bean soup. Is that was that the last team? Yes. Okay, pop off bean soup. Let's go. Uh, I'll start because I think I normally have you start. I'll, okay. I'll start pop-off i went with saligo and dardoch um i almost left dardoch out uh just because i like i mentioned earlier saligo was the one that i think didn't get enough um i don't know what the word is uh respect for how good his set was in that game but i mean Dardock's rumble was also fantastic and so I, I really wanted to give uh the pop-off to saligo but i mean Dardok was destroying everyone. So I had to give it to both of them. I think that they looked so good. Saligo's Akali and Set were amazing. And the, the rumble was fantastic as well out of uh, Dardock, I mean, just really, really good weekend from them. I think they were the main reasons why Dignitas looked good this weekend.
1: Um, I guess to follow suit a little bit, I picked another pair of players that I think were the main reason why their team was so good. I went with Xersei and Revenge. Uh, wow. Mainly, and specifically, as I mentioned, in those first two games, they did a really nice job of layering... And kind of working together with the set and the rumble although i do think the third game was pretty int. how revenge was like having yeah. a really terrible lane phase and he kind of had Xersei babysitting him top when like Xersei yeah. then kind of like put his brain on and was like "fuck this guy i'm gonna go help out the rest of the map and like win the game um but yeah Xersei got player of the week definitely deserved i think he had a really nuts weekend he's you've been pretty high on Xersei for the most part this entire split I've, i thought he's yeah. been pretty solid um but he's definitely a player uh, if Immortals wants to rise up in the standings, we'll need to continue to play well. Because I think he is yeah. kind of like that catalyst for this team. And if his lanes are doing average or poor, like they were, uh, like Revenge was in that CLG game, uh, he, he's going to need to be the one to like bail them out and get them back in the game.
0: Yeah, I do think Zerse was really underrated last split. I completely agree. And yeah, it was nice to see him actually popping off. Uh, who's your bean soup?
1: Finn. Fucking my god.
0: Oh. But you, what about, you, wasn't he the one that shit on on uh, your boy, Revenge, wasn't it, was it Finn?
1: I mean, yeah, it? I guess he played, but, like, there's nothing worse than, like, losing both sides of a matchup. And when you play yeah. so bad in the both of those games, like, yeah, yeah, I guess you had a decent laning phase against him. But like, that was it, lane phase, like,
0: uh, got... I would say more than decent, but your, your point is still valid. Okay. Like, he was pretty lackluster. Actually, yeah. we can use our bean soup emotes, oh, so yeah. I will do that. He, yeah, uh, yeah, he was pretty lackluster. It was pretty disappointing to see him lose both sides of that matchup. So, even though I'm playing devil's advocate there, I am right there with you. Uh, for me, I, I had to go with Jizuke. I was back and forth on a few different things, but holy crap, man. How can you not give Jizuke bean soup? <laughs> uh, he sucked.
1: Yeah, he was pretty I bad. I will
0: leave it at that. We've talked about Jizuke enough. He was really fucking bad. I'm hoping that he bounces back next week. I'm going to leave it there. There's no need to go furthermore into, into Uh Big time yikes.
1: All right, let's get into our game predictions. Uh, uh, I'm now looking at them, and there's actually some pretty good matchups. Uh, first up, TSM versus 100 Thieves.
0: Should I remind you to pull up the scores?
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh where are they at I,
0: I'll, I'll take it on the chin
1: yeah these are our predictions for uh the first week of games luckily i i managed to scrape out with an above 500 record blue g on the other hand not so much
0: so i will say though that your eight and seven record is actually a really good one because there was a lot of people like i know five and ten is bad don't get me wrong but there was a lot of other analysts that really struggled this week with their predictions as well so many people started the week oh and five uh so i luckily yeah. went
1: one and four but it was like not even because like if i had to use my head I would have predicted EG over Dig, but I just like knowing the script. Like Dig is gonna win early games and EG is gonna lose early games, and that that was like my only it's logic. It's also fun
0: there. to take an upset sometimes, so yeah. I, I respect that. Anyways, okay, let's get into them. Like you're saying, TSM one hundred thieves.
1: Um, hmm. I don't actually know to be honest.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. This is a this is a this should be a really good game. I'm glad that the the weekend's gonna start with this one. Um. I don't want to swap back, though, is the thing. My, my thoughts are, what if I take 100 Thieves and then I end up wanting to swap? I, I, I want to try to avoid swapping too much. I have no idea who to take, man.
1: I don't either, to be honest. I'm going to take 100 Thieves. Uh...
0: I'm going to take TSM. I okay. think that they looked I think that they looked good this weekend. I think that they are more likely to carry that than 100 these looking good because like I said clothes still looked a little wonky and Someday still looked a little wonky. I'm going to stick TSM.
1: All right. Uh Team Liquid versus Dignitas. This is going to be this is another good oh, match.
0: We got a trending up versus trending down in the opposite directions that you would expect. Uh Team Liquid, I, I don't got the balls.
1: Yeah, I don't got the balls either. Uh EG versus Immortals. Immortals baby.
0: Let's oh get man <laughs> yeah I immortal immortals because they looked i mean you just saw how opposite these teams looked i i gotta go immortals
1: i just looked at the next matchup clg versus golden guardians Jamie. oh
0: yeah baby
1: <laughs> you paying or what
0: the clg taxes once again boys will be paid i i am going clg big time turnaround i think you're going golden guardians
1: Dude, I don't know. I'm gonna take Golden Guardians, but I I might end up switching. I might pussy out come Friday.
0: What is gonna make you switch to CLG in the next four days? There's no games. What, what is it going to? I'm
1: a, I'm in know? I'm in the current mindset of like shit talking CLG. So maybe once I get out of that mindset, I'll be like, well, like looking at individual think matches Get over. I don't know. Maybe if I think it over, but I'll take Golden Guardians for now. Uh, likewise versus Cloud sure. Nine. I'll round it out. Cloud Nine, thank you very much.
0: Cloud Nine.
1: Uh, 100 Thieves versus Golden Guardians first matchup on Saturday. 100 Thieves, thank you.
0: 100 Thieves, yeah.
1: FlyQuest versus TSM. I will take TSM, TSM, TSM. even though FlyQuest has the 2-0 head-to-head in Spring Split. I'll still take TSM. No, that's though. that's
0: interesting. I, I yeah. didn't know that. That's interesting. AD. Okay, cool.
1: Uh, Team Liquid versus EG. I just realized EG is gonna get fisted this week. After I saw their Sunday match, I'll take Team Liquid.
0: <laughs> okay, Team Liquid for me too. Uh, Cloud9
1: versus CLG. Taxes are not being paid here. I'll tell you that right now. I can't
0: pay them. I can't. I I can't pay them here. Uh, the thing is, C9 is not even looking that good. Like, if there's ever a time to take CLG over Cloud9, it would be now. Yeah, but uh, I'm taking Cloud9.
1: Cloud9. Uh, immortals yeah. versus Dignitas. I'll take oh, me. I'll take me go. them Immortals, please.
0: And I will take Dig. Let's fucking okay. go. I, I I like both of these teams, but I, I really like. I'm going the NA squad here. Let's go, Dignitas.
1: Uh, Golden Guardians quest. Flyquest, I guess. Hmm. I don't know. I don't think I. I don't think I have the balls to predict a Golden Guardians two one this week.
0: They looked pretty good. I'll I'll take Golden Guardians. Let's let's go Golden Guardians. I'll take them. I think that they're. I think they're better than their record. And so yeah, sure. Uh, Which, Immortals. By the way, isn't really saying much, but anyways.
1: Immortals versus Team Liquid. Uh, Immortals three zero. I don't think so. I think I think. Oh, it'll be... I
0: thought you were going to. You debated oh, me. I did. I did. Uh,
1: uh i'll okay. take i'll take Being team liquid good. even though i want to take immortals and i'll be cheering for immortals but i'll have to take team liquid if i want my I be record to uh, be decent uh okay. clg versus tsm the el classico uh and tsm please
0: i already paid my taxes in the first game i'll take tsm
1: okay uh dig versus cloud nine another pretty good game this weekend i will take cloud nine but i think this will be a close game
0: yeah I think I'm gonna go Cloud9 as well, man. Do I just have Cloud9 going 3-0 after they look like complete dog shit? And
1: but I, I mean, I they're playing, playing flyquest, Fly. yeah. Like yeah.
0: Anyway. Okay.
1: Anyway, C9. Uh, last game of the weekend. 100 thieves. Yes, 100 thieves. EG versus 100 thieves. 100 thieves over EG. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I feel like Abadage is like the kind of guy who's not making end plays, and Juzuke is the guy making end plays. So like. I, I, I don't know how that's going to... I, I get, It'll be an exciting matchup to watch, but... I,
0: I hope EG bounces back. I want to see a good game out of those two teams. I
1: mean, I hope so, too, but I have them on another O three, 3 so...
0: Mm, wow. <laughs> Damn, that would be actually crazy if they went O three 3 again. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, Karma Dogge in the live chat, true. Uh, okay, let's go to quick news.
1: Hold on, let me pull these down. Yeah, what's first up? Oh, T1. He hit Challenger. It is with it. Tyler Poggers. one. Hit, yeah, dude. I think he said he's doing mid lane next.
0: Um, I thought I saw, is that what he said? I thought I saw him playing support and I, I don't know. He's I don't been playing a bunch of stuff. All I, I,
1: the only time I really ever watch Tyler one is if it's like two, three in the morning and I'm like going to watch a league game before I go to bed or something like that. And like, mm. that, that's the only time I'll really ever watch Tyler one. Uh, But yeah, I think he said he's doing mid lane next. He's going for that all five role challenger challenge.
0: I mean, NA is a pretty good place to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to make it sound like that's super easy because that is still super impressive, but yeah. Good uh, he plays a lot of fucking League. God damn.
1: A topic that's been discussed quite a lot for the last six months, uh, Chris Greeley came out with a statement, or well, I guess not really a statement, but in the, the various media day stuff that was going on for week one, uh, he basically said that Riot will not be removing the import rule anytime soon. Uh... Thoughts?
0: What did he say? He said something. I had to reply because... Uh, let me find it. I, I replied in one of the tweets. Uh, what did I say? Oh, yeah, so Commissioner Greeley has said that there are no plans to repeal the import rule, Uh, blah, 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 blah. Basically, I'm just saying like, oh, yeah, he said that there's no teams advocating for it. Eh. well if there was no team to advocate, advocating, all, there are.
1: advocating for the removal maybe like changes yeah but jack
0: straight up like it didn't wasn't there a video with jack being like you guys like we actually think that it would be best for the region or something i don't want to put words in his mouth i'm misquoting I, I don't sure. know but it was basically like i really got the idea that like jack was all aboard and remember he was saying like people that don't think like he was calling people racist oh or
1: jesus christ <laughs> do you
0: remember that i do, do actually now yeah.
1: Now, now yeah now and now yeah
0: and if there was no teams that wanted it, then why are we even having a conversation in the first place? Get out of here with that. I ain't buying it, Chris. I, I do think that Chris Greeley is a good commissioner. I just, this is one of them where I'm like, mm, I don't know if I'm buying that, buddy.
1: Yeah, maybe some PR stuff going on there. Uh, Next yeah. up, since we're back in the studio, ProView's back. Um, Yeah, that's cool.
0: Did you see the take that I posted for Hotline tonight?
1: I don't know, but I saw it was something about ProView.
0: Yeah, so I, I think this is a pretty good idea. You let me know if I'm just wrong. What if they did Proview, but they had X players commentate for it? Like I think Demonte they did have
1: that. How could that be? But I think they already had that when Proview first came out. They had like a ba- they had an extra stream. Well, I don't know if it was specifically pro players. I don't. But they, they, they had some. They had somebody doing an additional stream with a Proview, and I just feel like. They was most it? likely they did do that. I I remember they did, and I feel like they probably just removed it because there wasn't a lot of interest. But so, I think it would be more on. interesting if they did like a former pro player or some interesting personality.
0: So a couple of things. I thought that they only did it. Remember how they did like Afremu and Sneaky or Medios and Sneaky in like the back room? Well, that or was like the that...
1: lounge, the lounge or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, was like they, hella they freaking weird. That was like that when Proview
1: first that. came out. They they did you know specific streams where they pulled up a player's Proview and they like had the pro view stream with a person commentating behind it but it could be interesting if they had like a p- more personality style kind of person than like a cast yeah
0: the names that i'm thinking of demonte would be great like think about if it was like demonte and high like two x mid laners if it was a mid lane pro view i'm talking about here yeah, yeah wouldn't that be great to have their back and forth or like i don't know what else what other names that i have on here i was thinking of golden glue would be another one that's good for mid lane apollo would be great Rush yeah. would be hilarious if they could bring back Rush. I don't well, know I think he's, if he's even, yeah, he's like in the military.
1: He's in his military service right now, I believe.
0: Regardless, there's a lot of good personalities out there is the point that I'm getting at that I think people would want to see. And not only that, right now, like I would say the old ProView wasn't as accessible because you had to pay for it. And there is the option to pay for it now. But and it's you can less. Get, like, sure. But, yeah. and, but one of the things that they're doing is they're showcasing one uh, ProView per game. So that people can kind of get an idea of what it would like. And that's where I think if you showcase it with your High or Demonte or whoever, Froggen maybe even comes back, whoever it is, that's where I think people will start to get more interested in it and it could actually grow. It -hmm. was just a thought that I had that I think it would be great to use current players as well. If you use Academy players, maybe they could start to grow their brand. People start to learn who they are. Or yeah, maybe that's a like good idea. Actually, people people who have played maybe they've played their games already. Maybe Perks and Cloud9 played the first game of the day, but Perks comes in for the second game of the day or the third to do the the talk with the other with another mid laner or something from whoever Cloud9 played in the first game. Like you could use current players and get them get people to get to know like the actual players. Maybe like Saligo, who no one knows about whatsoever, has a lot of things to say about the matchup. Anyways, I'm going on, but you're getting my point here. Yeah. I think it would be fantastic and it would be way more interesting.
1: Uh, i agree next up the lcs coaches there was a thing on twitter slash a travis scafford video saying that a lot of the coaching staffs are pushing for global replay files from all the all the major regions uh, because right now um, the lcs they only get all of the replay files for lcs games replay files including the game pro views and whatnot
0: i just think it's a good idea i think it makes league of legends get better in every region if every region has access to every region now with that said china and and korea are probably like no we don't (laughs) want the other regions to catch up to us and maybe even even the european uh fans and teams are thinking the same thing like we don't want na catching up to us fuck you guys yeah but i mean on the Um, flip
1: side i think lpl would want to see the lck ones and vice versa
0: Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say next. I think that it would be good for everyone overall, and I think that it just makes things better. And yeah, it's definitely needed for NA. So our opinions are definitely biased, but regardless, I still think it's good.
1: Uh, next up, uh, I will dominate. Got co-streaming rights to co-stream the LPL, uh, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. I know he does. He does a lot of live viewing for LEC lpl or previously did live viewing for lpl but also does lec live saw, viewing and any co-streaming I think
0: I saw on reddit i think he got a, a shout out from the LPL. yeah he did they, yeah. they
1: shouted him out on the english broadcast uh i think his first couple co-streams were like two days ago or a day and a half ago or something like that uh but yeah, yeah he he's all lpl supremacy so
0: <laughs> yeah well, i mean good for him anyways that's something yeah. that i'm sure his audience will really enjoy and it's a different way for the LPL to be consumed. I think LPL viewership for the English broadcast needs a little bit of a boost, so that's cool.
1: Uh, next up, Schalke. It's reported that they're going to be selling their LEC LEC slot for thirty million dollars, profiting twenty-two million dollars from when they originally acquired it. Damn, a lot of fucking money. Bank.
0: The the thing is that I'll say though is that like even though that's a shit ton of money and a very good profit, it's like Schalke is like a huge soccer slash football club already. Like they don't, they don't really. I mean, yeah, they could use it, I guess, but like that's not that big of a deal to them. Yeah, I, I guess. I guess anytime you're getting twenty whatever million dollars, it's pretty pog. So good for them, I guess. And I mean, we knew that Schalke wasn't really interested in sticking around, anyways. There was a lot of rumors, and so that's eh, whatever. This was expected.
1: Uh, next up, uh, kind of a tandem one here. Uh, Dignitas has a new like official naming sponsor. Uh, for their organization, Quantum Pay. And then obviously, TSM had that huge 10 uh, year, $210 million deal with FTX to be their exclusive name partner. What do you think of uh, Dig Quantum Pay and TSM FTX?
0: Well, I have to admit that at first I was kind of an idiot because I was like, what the hell is QNTM Pay? <laughs> It's Quantum Pay. <laughs> like, I didn't pay, realize dude. it was Quantum. Yeah, well, it took me like 2 minutes, okay? It didn't take me forever. But I was like, "Oh, All it's right. Quantum Pay." That sounds a lot better than like I thought they were going to say QNTM Pay. Um, I don't know, whatever. I guess it's cool. It's cool but it's not cool because it's like I'm glad that some of the lower budget LCS teams will have a little bit more money to invest in some better talent. Um What's not cool is that I hate calling them Quantum Pay. Like, I just want to call them Dig, and I'm probably going to continue to call them Dig, in all honesty. Yeah. The TSM one, oh my god. Yes, $210 a lot of money. million. So the point that I just made about, like, lower-budget teams being able to get some money to afford players, well, how do you compete with TSM now? And TSM just got $210 million in the bank. I mean, not that they were able to compete with that kind of salary before, like TSM salaries before, but yeah, I think that's just widens the thing even more and i just think that it's more to come you saw steve and jack congratulating and i the reason why i think S- jack and steve are so happy for tsm is because well they're gonna be next like i don't know c9 bmw c9 like there's a lot of options here yeah. c9 has c9 and tl are not short on sponsors and i'm sure they will find a way to make absolute bank and i think it's just a trend that while i'm not too happy about it Because I don't want to call these teams C9, BMW, or TSM, FTX. That sounds like shit, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. But, I mean, it is what it is, and I think it's a trend we're going to have to accept.
1: Yeah, uh, the main thing to sort of talk about this um, in terms of, like, the relevance to the league and whatnot is that TSM, they're not allowed to use FTX in their jerseys their naming or anything like that for any riot sanctioned events which includes league and valorant which is surprising because the whole reason you probably want to be like a name brand on an org like tsm is because of their league team which is their most popular team by far and their valorant team which is like kind of second fiddle to that
0: uh yeah i mean i don't know as much about tsm outside of league But I know that within league, like that, if you're sponsoring TSM, it's because you want you're after the League of Legends TSM. Like that's where they come from. That's where their fans come from mostly. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I guess FTX thinks it's worth anyways. They knew that going into the deal. They made that clear. Yes, they did. They made that clear that this wasn't like a shock and like yeah.
1: The LCS in in the ruling it says the LCS does not permit crypto exchanges on their jerseys or as a naming partner. So while the deal still goes through when it comes to riot sanctioned events. It's not TSM FTX. It's just TSM. Yeah. But for everything else, it's no, it's TSM FTX. Like that, I feel like is going to be weird.
0: Dude, people are already saying TSM FTXD.
1: Like, trust me, when they start losing, it'll get memed on pretty hard.
0: TSM FTXD will be the, you know, when I was reading it the other day, I actually said FTXD in my head. I was like, oh crap. Like I didn't even do that on purpose. Hmm. Like it's just so easy
1: um last up kind of a late minute uh news that kind of broke uh, today uh, sk blue uh the mid laner for sk over in the lec he has unfortunately been hospitalized i didn't honestly did not read the post or so if there's any reasoning i i'm sorry i don't know what it is uh but their sk prime mid laner uh, again i'm sorry whose name i really don't know do you have his name did you, oh. did you read the post i did
0: I, I think we had it somewhere i don't i don't, I don't have it. it we have it in the discord i'm pretty sure.
1: I don't know what his uh, name is.
0: Blue is admitted. Uh, initial scans confirmed it's not COVID 19, but I think it was something to do with his lungs. I don't oh, remember. That sucks. Uh, he's seeing a pneumologist.
1: What's the I guy? What's the prime mid laner's name? What's his name?
0: Uh, Two Hoyers. Hoyers. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but yeah, it's like T W O, like two, and then H O Y R Z, or Z for Americans. But I'm Canadian, so I say Z.
1: Uh, the my only my only takeaway from this is they are using an SK Prime player uh for this emergency substitution, but they didn't for the whole jungle debacle. Uh, honestly, I think SK is going to be really terrible just because of the whole situation that they're in. As we kind of talked before uh, our, our last episode, we're both kind of sad for Treats that he's in this position in the first place because I think both of us really liked him and thought he played really well in the LEC. Um, and yeah it seems his whole team for summer is a bit fucked so
0: yeah it looks like things just went from bad to worse honestly exactly that one thing of the the silver lining i guess is that the expectations aren't so high which is like i guess you can't be nervous that much when you're expected like you are expected to lose yeah <laughs> like if there's a team that's expected to lose it's this one hmm. um with all the crap that they've had to go through in the last little while so i mean it's unfortunate but it is what it is and Best of luck to all the players that are filling in for SK. That's it. Okay, that's it for this episode. Guys, we want to thank you guys one last time. Thank you so much. This was the one-year episode, and it went just a little bit over two hours, it looks like. Uh, yeah, my God, JNT and I are so overwhelmed. And I know it's cliche and a little bit cheesy, but look, I don't care. We We really do want to thank you guys so much for your support. It's been absolutely amazing seeing our thing our uh, our thing grow like our channel grows uh on youtube uh if you guys do want to support us uh you can do that on patreon you could go drop a prime sub we will see it even if we're offline we will see it for next episode we will give you guys a shout out for sure uh and if if not then just subscribe on youtube helps us a lot as well continue to listen and we thank you guys so much JT any shout outs
1: uh nope uh well I mean yeah like shout out to everybody who's obviously continued watching us and uh us. Yeah we've us. got 7 yeah shout seven out new reform subs today shout out reform beans. Um yeah thanks so much for the subs An- anybody who subbed yeah uh reform beans did uh glimmer did uh, shout out to both of you guys. Um appreciate all the love. And yeah we're going to run. Hopefully hopefully another you year.
0: Guys. Woo. Yeah, we we will keep going. We will see you guys right back here next week, same time and uh, same time live on Twitch and of course as always we will get it uploaded to YouTube ASAP. Thank you guys so much. This has been episode 45 of the Clown Fiesta podcast.
1: Bye-bye.